March the 4th, 2024. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Schedule was a little bit off this week because we had a cancellation at Santa Anita on Saturday. More of a postponement. They knew there was going to be probable rain. So instead of running the big cap and a bunch of really good stakes races, they decided to push the Saturday car to Sunday. So what we will have for you on this episode of That's What G Said, we'll have... Friday, Santa Anita Best Bets. Then we'll get into Saturday, Gulfstream Park. It is Fountain of Youth Day, 14 races. There are eight graded stakes races. Barry Spears joins me to talk about races 7 through 14, all the big ones there on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. It's also Gotham Day at Aqueduct. There's an all-stakes pick four. Matt DeSantis joins me to discuss the all-stakes pick four sequence. Then we get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We preview AEW, Revolution pay-per-view, Sting's final match. We discuss what uh, happened at uh, Elimination Chamber, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. We don't have any NBA this week. Eric was a little under the weather, so we'll just push that to next week. We'll catch on up with everything that's happened over the last couple weeks in the NBA. And uh, we will also have Santa Anita Sunday, so that's Big Cap Day with San Felipe. Angela Herman's going to join me but I will have that as a video on social media. It'll be on Twitter. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on my YouTube as well. So make sure to come and follow me so you can uh, get the Santa Anita Sunday best bets. I'll also have a Coast to Coast Pick 5 preview for Sunday. That'll be on the DRF YouTube and DRF Twitter and the DRF social media. So on this episode, we'll go right from Friday Santa Anita to Saturday Gulfstream with Barry to Saturday Aqueduct with Matt DeSantis, and then we'll finish up with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. On this episode of That's What G Said, that is presented by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Full-service realtor means that she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing, anything you need in the world of real estate. Contact Cindy Carava, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Before we get into Friday Santa Anita, want to let you know about the Ultimate Betting Challenge, one of the biggest handicapping tournaments of the year. It is on Saturday. You can enter for 6000 That's a lot of money to enter, but it's a huge money tournament with about $150,000 in prizes and four seats to the NHC, the National Handicapping Championship, next year in 2025. If you don't think you can pay that 6000 there's a $600 tournament on Friday that can qualify you for that. So instead of paying the full 6000 if you pay the 600 on Friday, you could try to win your way in. We'll find out more about that right now, the Ultimate Betting Challenge, and then we'll get into Friday Santa Anita. We move to Saturday Gulfstream, Barry, Saturday Aqueduct with Matt, and finish up with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Big news coming up this weekend. Santa Anita is moving their Saturday card to Sunday. So that impacts the ultimate betting challenge a little bit. But the prizes are still going to be the same. The entry fee is still going to be the same. The only thing that's going to be different is now there won't be any Santa Anita. It'll just be the entire card of racing from Gulfstream Park. So if you go to expressbet.com and you look in the tournament section, you can see the change. Due to the cancellation of live racing at Santa Anita, the Ultimate Betting Challenge will feature races from Gulfstream Park only. So this is the big live money contest on Saturday. $6,000 to buy in. There will be four NHC seats from first racing and if you take a look at the prizes if there's 100 entries about 50,000 to the winner there's 150 entries about 75,000 to the winner on the full card of races from Gulfstream Park on Saturday you've got win play show exacta try and daily double wagering 
this is a big, big money tournament. Now, 6000 is a lot to enter. For some of us, we can't quite afford that. You have one more shot on Friday. You have the Ultimate Betting Challenge feeder. So on Friday, you want to register for this contest. It's $600, and every 75 entries, three of them will qualify for Saturday's big game. So get yourself entered for Friday's tournament right now. It's the Ultimate Betting Challenge qualifier right there at ExpressBet.com. $600 buy-in. 300 to the bankroll, 300 to the entry fee, and if you qualify, you move on to Saturday to the big game where you could be playing for huge, huge money. A big couple days coming up with the Ultimate Betting Challenge. If you have any questions about the changes, just let me know, but all you have to worry about now is just no Santa Anita. Everything else will be the same. Full card Gulfstream Park for that Ultimate Betting Challenge on Saturday. Let's win our way in on Friday for just 600 Good luck. Big week coming up at Santa Anita, and things are going to be a little bit different this weekend. So on Friday, we'll have a normal racing card at Santa Anita. First post at uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, 12.30 p.m. local time. And I'm going to give you a few best bets for Friday right here on this video. Saturday, there was projected to be a lot of rain. So, smartly, Santa Anita said, you know what? Let's not run the big races, the big day. Let's just push it to Sunday. Doesn't look like there's going to be any rain at all on Sunday. So they'll run the big races on Sunday, the big cap, San Felipe, and the other stakes races. Nothing on Saturday at Santa Anita. And now they will be racing on Monday this week. So you will get the horses being uh, the horses running on safer surfaces. And I think that's uh, that's the right thing to do. Uh, once it gets really wet and things get different, we've had not great luck with trying to run on off surfaces all around the country over the last few years. So I never have a problem with a track like Santa Anita, just getting ahead of it. And even if it doesn't pour on Saturday, just be ca- be cautious, be careful. Let's make sure we get the big races run under the best conditions. And that's what the hope is for this weekend at Santa Anita. I'm going to take a look at the daily racing form past performances. Remember every day at Santa Anita, they have past performances, clocker reports and DRF picks to help you out with all of your handicapping. For you contest players, as we get ready to look at a few plays for Friday, remember there's the ultimate betting challenge this weekend. It's one of the biggest tournaments of the year. You can play that thing at expressbet.com. You can play it live at Gulfstream. You can play it live at Santa Anita, even though there's no racing there at Santa Anita. And it will now only consist of the races from Gulfstream. Before it was going to be both tracks, full track. Now you get the full track from Gulfstream instead. Same entry fee, same prizes, everything. It'll just be Gulfstream races instead of both Gulfstream and Santa Anita. That's a $6,000 buy-in that's on Saturday. But there's also a a $600 qualifier on Friday. If you want to try to get into that contest for just $600, go to expressbet.com, check it out. I know a lot of people that are watching these videos and playing the races here, probably getting involved in some of those tournaments. And this is a big one on Saturday. If there's 150 entries in that ultimate betting challenge, there's going to be around 150,000 in cash prizes along with four NHC seats. So wishing you all the best of luck 
Three plays for me on Friday. Let's look at races one, five, and seven. In the opener, but the five keep moving on was interesting. So this is a Calbred first level allowance optional 50 claiming race going a mile on the turf course. Keep moving on has been facing open company. So it's a, a lateral move here. It's not as if this is a step up in class. In fact, when you look at who keep it, uh, keep moving on has been facing recently old triangle source stepped up and ran in the El Camino Real Derby. He finished fourth in that race behind endlessly. And we're going to see that horse continue on and try to pick up Kentucky Derby points. So keep moving on overall. The body of work has been very good Four races, no real knocks on them. The move back to the turf is interesting because his only turf race, he actually won a maiden special weight race. He beat a horse who came back to win their next start. So he has a win going long on the grass against open maiden special weight. And we know he can sit off and pass horses in here, but he has enough speed to stay pretty close. And I don't, I don't think has to be, you know, way, way out of it. He checks a lot of boxes for me in here at five to one. If he's anything over seven to two, I'm going to play. Keep moving on in the opener at Santa Anita on Friday. Let us move on to race number five for my next play. This one is a mile on the turf course. Fifth race, I'm looking at Blondzilla, whose running line just says trouble trip last time out. And Blondzilla did not have much of an opportunity uh, we can watch her last race here on the DRF formulator past performances. Those are always the ones that you see when I'm using these videos here, the formulator PPs. So Blondzilla is the three kind of jumps in, tosses the head at the start and is down on the inside and behind horses. And then right afterwards takes back a little bit, kind of gets pushed back a little farther than they would have liked Cuts the corner and gets back into contention, but then right here gets stopped badly going into the turn and has to take up and has to back up a little bit more. So there's a lot going on for this horse just in the first furlong, two furlongs of this race where there's some traffic. Keep in mind, this is coming off of you know a couple month break and Blondzilla could have been sitting a lot closer in this race, but because of just bad racing luck got pushed way back. And instead of being, you know, sitting third or fourth is sitting here in the seventh spot, about five lengths out of it with a lot of traffic in front, kind of buried behind horses down inside. And I thought the horse settled pretty well, but even now just looming back up into contention, it's not a whole lot of room and having to wait and having to wait. And so much of this Philly's best run, she just never got a chance to use it. As she's trying here and then down on the inside, there's all this traffic. She just can't get through. I don't know if she was ever going to win this race. I think she could have been a lot closer. Even here now, the horse right in front of her sort of stops and she has to shift around. I think this was sneaky. And I feel like she could take a very nice step forward off of that effort. She's 12 to 1 on the morning line. If she's anything over over 6 is fair. I'm looking for around 8 on Blondzilla. Then we move to race number seven for the next play. And I'm going to go to the number one in here. Malagre del Sol comes off of a, a fifth place effort last time out. Overall body of work though, she might be one of the quickest horses in this field. Yarborough is not fast. Rebel girl 
not fast early. Rough Ride, not fast early. Sakura Flavor puts the blinkers on, not fast early. Uh, Etheric, blinkers coming on, not fast early. Freedom Last, not fast early. By default, Milagre del Sol should be forwardly placed in here and I think can take them as far as she can go. Her last two races, she lost in both of those races to pretty nice horses. Queen's Command was making her first start in the U.S., and Queen's Command came out of that race and finished second in the grade three Santa Ana behind the really sharp Linda's Gift. And third place finisher in that race was a horse named Kinjani, and that is who Milagre Del Sol lost to on January the 21st. So the two horses that she lost to in her last two starts were horses making their U.S. debuts that ran really, really well. And both of them stepped up into graded stakes company and ran second and third behind a sharp horse named Linda's Gift. I think Dottori's going to get aggressive with Milagre de Sol. I think he's going to use that rail draw, get out front, slow things down. Milagre del Sol, 6-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 7-2 to two is where I had this one pegged. Couple plays for you on Friday. No racing on Saturday at Santa Anita. Back for the big cap, the San Felipe, and a 10-race stakes card on Sa- Sunday, and then racing on Monday at Santa Anita. Don't forget about the Ultimate Betting Challenge on Saturday. You can play that express bet at Santa Anita at Gulfstream Park. And for all of your handicapping needs, anytime you're playing the races from any track anywhere, get to DRF.com. They have PPs, clocker reports, DRF picks, for the Santa Anita Classic Meet all the way through each and every racing day. Best of luck on a big weekend of racing coming up. Let's get it started on Friday with some winners at Santa Anita. Saturday's Fountain of Youth Day at Gulfstream Park. And honestly, Gulfstream Park does the big days just about as good as anyone out there. 14 races. We have nine graded stakes races on the card, I believe. Uh, Barry Spears and I are going to start in race seven. And race seven through 14 are all graded stakes races. We're going to talk about all of them. The races prior to that are fantastic betting races, too. It's just a great card top to bottom. And the man who usually joins me to talk Gulfstream. And uh, we'll be bouncing around uh, each week, kind of whatever the big races are. But this is another weekend where there are big races at a few different places. Aqueduct has some this weekend. Uh, Turfway has some this weekend. Santa Anita will have some. We're not quite sure if they're going to be Saturday or Sunday. It's looking like Sunday right now. They may push them back. But Barry, Gulfstream, right? When, they, when they've got a big day, they do the big day so well. Man, this is a terrific card on Saturday. I, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is probably the best card we're going to get prior to the Derby. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to top this one. <laughs> it's going to be hard. I mean, the, the nine graded stakes is, is just outstanding. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just so excited so for it. I think what's eight and then there's the Colonel Liam. Uh, okay. So that's so we, we short, you know, there's nine and a half. Stakes. 
eight, and, and then the Colonel Liam, <laughs> and then you've got a couple of these maiden special weights that are really good. There's that synthetic handicap race, which is basically like a stakes in race number four, uh, with some real quality runners there. So just a fantastic Saturday. And like always, we'll be diving into the daily racing form past performances. Gulfstream Park is one of the tracks where they have clocker reports every single day that there's racing. DRF picks and past performances. Shop.drf.com if you want to get in uh, involved in that 14 race card and then you can get the DRF bets and play the races for Gulfstream Park for Saturday. So Barry, as you and I are recording this on Wednesday evening, they might be pushing Santa Anita's Saturday card to Sunday, which I got to say, I really like that they're doing this in Southern California now um, because in years past, they had some really bad years where there were horses that were getting injured on off tracks and tracks that were not in great shape when there was rain. There's been a good amount of rain out here this year, just the since the last two months, since the start of the meet, it's been a lot of rain for this area, all sorts of records. And instead of having to start a card and in the middle of the card, it starts pouring. We don't know yeah. who's going to be in on some of these races. Half the races get taken off the turf. The others don't. I'd rather just know for sure you're going to run on a day when there's not. And in Southern California, we do know a lot of these days when it's not going to rain. So you know what? If they're going to push it back and maybe they run on Sunday and then they get the focus on Sunday, right? Because Gulfstream and Aqueduct will have their focus on Saturday. And then everyone on Sunday will be looking at the big stakes races at Santa Anita. Yeah. I mean, you know, makes them the focus on Sunday for real. Um, It's like California is turning into Florida. As yeah. far as the weather, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys, have, I think, have, have had more rain than we have. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's definitely throws you guys for a loop more than it would here. Um, so I, I don't, I don't mind prepared the for it. Back. Like right, the infrastructure, exactly. the tracks, the infrastructure, the roads, the way stuff is built. Because you don't put time and extra building it because it doesn't rain that often. It's just plain exactly. simple, right? It's on the East coast and the other spots. They build up for the weather and the snow better because it's going to happen more often there. Um, so that's what ends up happening. And I, I don't mind it. I get it. It can be frustrating sometimes, especially if you're someone who's got plans or if you're not sure what to do, but I think for us as gamblers, I'd always prefer, Hey, this is going to be a day that could get really interrupted there's some nice races. Let's just push it back. And now everyone will be looking at this really good Gulfstream card and some really good races from Aqueduct on Saturday. Barry and I are going to talk about races seven through 14 Kentucky Derby points on the line, Kentucky Oaks points on the line and some really strong grass races, including this one that kicks things off. It's the Mac Diarmida, which is a mile and three eighths on the turf for four-year-olds and up. So we have some turf marathoners here Barry, and in a lot of these races, a horse that's very important is the horse from the rail main event because he's fast and he dictates the the races in a lot of them. He won the Fort Lauderdale a couple starts back, and he will at least be involved early in races like this going long. We don't know exactly how far he wants to go because we've seen, you know, he's been at his best mile and an eighth, maybe after that. It's it's been a little bit you know, he's tried it, I think, once or twice, and it's it's seemed like it's been a bit to ask. But he he should, again, on paper, be pretty pretty clear up front, right? I mean, he's yeah. by far. Yeah, I, I mean. Uh, Winner, I, right? He's going to be up front winging it. 
Right. He's going to make an impact on this race, um, win, lose, or otherwise. Uh, but I don't know if you recall a horse back in 2014, won a Breeders' Cup race that reminds me of this kind of situation. It was uh, the, the name of the horse is Day at the Spa. Oh, yeah. And that horse wasn't the best at that distance he was running on Breeders' Cup Day, but had speed and could dictate the terms and won pretty easily, you know, going longer than, than he ever had gone at, at nine to two that day. I remember it vividly because I had a big score that day. But this horse kind of reminds me of that in this spot. Um, a horse that hasn't gone as far as they're going, has a lot of speed, and really there isn't much else to run with this horse early. No. And Anyone that does is going to be doing it be doing it because they maybe they look at this race and think that's what they should do. They're not naturally that fast. It's not their game. Anyone else really like I only could even sniff out a couple other horses that maybe for sure Port. will be close. Yeah, and that's one of them, right? Tawny Port who could be close at least. He's shown tactical speed in some of his races, especially the ones going long on the turf lately, right? In those situations, he's been more forward and he could be a little fresh. I could see him up close. After that, though, it's, it's you know, pickings. <laughs> as, as far as who's going to be right there. And so I think that has to really dictate how I'm handicapping this race. And it sounds like for you, too. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention that uh, main event and uh, King Max on the outside are, are taking a, what I think is a is a way bigger drop in class. Oh, yeah. You, you know, I know it's a grade one to a grade two, but the horses, you know, Warm Heart is is one of the world's best horses. I mean, this, let's just get that out there. And, you know, there's nothing even close to that horse in this race. And, and you know, honestly, either one of those horses, Main Event or King Max, they didn't run all that badly in that Pegasus uh, Turf Invitational. Well, no, um, I mean, put it for example, in, in that grade two that they were both in before, where they ran mm-hmm. one to the Fort Lauderdale, those horses were 11 to one and what 17 to one in that race. Yeah. Uh, Cause you liked King max that day oh. and he ran great at 17 to one. <laughs> and so those, those horses in the last two races they were in were big prices and they're two of the top contenders in here. Yeah, I think it just I, shows you the difference in qu- strength of those races that they were in the last two compared to this one. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, um, it, it's clear that this is a drop in class for them, which is a, a bonus. I, I like both, to be yep. honest. But I I would give the nod if if you had to, you know, force me to choose now. I, I would definitely go with main event. Um, but I also want to give a nod to headline news. That's that's the horse absolutely. you picked a, a few mm-hmm. few races ago, and that horse is on the rise. Um, ran a nice race behind Ice Chalk a lot, who's who's come back on Saturday as well. Um. But you can't leave a horse like this out, especially, you know, probably might not be the, the greatest of prices either. Um, I mean, as as far as, uh, you know, favorites are yeah. concerned. He's probably not going to get bet, you know. I, like I'm, the other horses, no way. Not like those other the, the other ones we're talking about. And what's nice is just by default, coming out of races going a mile, he might just be a little closer early. Yeah, that's you definitely know, to going, his benefit as they're going longer in here. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's sitting a little closer than he's been in his last couple of races. Maybe he's two lengths off and he's sitting fourth. And yeah. and that's where I need. I think if you're looking for horses to bet in here, those are the horses I'm looking for. 
one who is I'm gonna throw in um if I'm 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 spreading a little bit. I thought the the mainly because this is a horse who I I marked the trip down to watch last time out was starting over, who just had a brutal trip. He started to move, he was like five path traveling really well at the top of the lane. He was outside uh, inside of Anglophile and Francesco Clement started to fly, and that it kind of pushed him inward. And he was never gonna win that race. He might have even been a little closer that day. Uh, that was his first start in a few months. We can eliminate the Canadian International on a yielding turf two starts back. He fits with this group because it's not that strong. It's really not. And so he can. I could see him if he's not that far out of it. The problem is he. it's not like he's quick. He, he's been able to sit closer in some races where they go slow. Main event still a lot faster than him, though, early. And he's got to stay within a few lengths, I think, here. But... He's one of the horses that's at least on my radar here um, in, in this one. And I'm glad you mentioned headline news, of course, because, yeah, he's he's really in, in great form, too. Yeah, starting over, probably needed that last race and, and ran pretty well. I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's probably going to be closer because, you know, hopefully the post positions will, will keep him in way. it. Right. And Zayas does a good job at that also. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's very good, especially at Gulfstream. Uh, he, he's definitely good at getting position on the turf. Um, that one definitely you can't leave out either. It's it's going to be tough, but um, you know I, I think main event has a huge advantage here. Yeah, especially inside draw. Just doesn't look like there's much other speed in here. You got Javi aboard who knows him well, so uh, he will. Uh, yeah, he'll have a big say in this race, and I think it's really his to kind of dictate in race number seven, the eighth race. We stay on the turf. We go to the grade three. Here comes the bride. This one is. A uh, straight mile on the turf here for Phillies. We have three-year-old Phillies and some in here that'll be the major players. You have Ozara, who's just really sharp and has done very little wrong in her career. She's won back-to-back now, and this seems like a really nice spot for her, about a mile on the turf. You've got uh, Life's an Audible, who her form makes a whole lot of sense. She was a little overmatched in the Breeders' Cup. She came back in her first start of the year. She was a little bit short that day in her second start of the year. She took a nice step forward and she won the race. And now she'll go third start off the bench. She's a super logical horse in this spot. Um, those two, I expect to be, you know, major, major players in here. And they'll probably be two of the shorter prices in this race. It's from a, a talking point. We've discussed these horses before, Barry, in similar spots. Mm-hmm. We we tried to beat Life's Inaudible with Ozara in the Ginger Brew because Life's Inaudible was coming off the bench that day. I guess with those two horses, let's talk about them first, and then we can kind of move on to any others we'd want to mention. Do you like, do you think it's just those two as kind of the top tier? Do you lean one way or the other? Would you think that now Life's Inaudible has a couple races under her belt? She can kind of turn the tables on Ozara. How would you play those? Uh, I think Life's Inaudible is a complete standout here. Um, the race sets up perfectly. It does. You know, there's a lot of speed. You got Mystic Lake, Crown. Um, Mystic Lake has some speed. Yep. Makanga has some speed. Yep. Um, Irish Maxima. Even show off. Pounce on the way outside. Agra can also get up and go a little bit, mm-hmm. especially, you know, on the stretch out a little. But it, it projects this pace is going to be pretty decent um, and, and ripe for a closer. And honestly, Life's Audible can be anywhere they put her. <laughs> and that's, you know, I, I mean – Obviously, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Uh, the horse is probably going to be around three to five, four to five ish. 
Um, she just she does look. It looks like it's her rate, right? Because the form wise, third start off the bench, the way the race sets up, it just looks like it's ready for her to set up well for her to take one more step forward, and she should get a really nice trip in here. Yeah, I, it's 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 hard. It's it's going to be hard to beat her. Um, but a horse besides those two, um, dancing and Dixie, I would give a, a second look to. Um, if you eliminate that dirt race in the uh, restricted Florida bread race, I think it was Yep. Uh, where honey Dijon won on, on December 2nd. If you eliminate that one, this horse has been steadily getting better and probably is going to get a better trip than what she got on January 6th in the ginger brew. That was her know, first start on the grass. Right. And she was 59 to one. Didn't run all that bad. Uh, Cassie, you know, has, has come back with a nice work or two nice works or three, sorry. Um, on February 9th was a slow one, February 16th. And then on February 23rd showed a little zip and a little pep in the step. And I think that tightens this horse up a little bit. Not that I think that, you know, this horse really has a chance to win, but underneath exotics, that horse sure. might be one to get to, an to aggressive consider. ride with Paco, just a little better placing right from a, a good spot down inside. Um, the horse I wanted to mention that I'll throw in and try to get some value with too. I think it's time to dazzle who was actually in that same ginger brew last time out. And this horse got crossed over on, um, badly, uh, early on in the race and got pushed way farther back than she wanted. Cause look at her, her prior three races. She won a race on the lead, but that, that I don't think she's not like a need the lead type. Cause she showed us in her debut she could sit off. That's the race that I really like. Look at that race at Woodbine. First time out of the box against the boys. She beats the boys sitting fourth, you know, maybe two lengths off at most. I would love that trip in here for her. Just like we're saying, there's a lot of speed. That trip would give her the jump on a horse like Life's Inaudible. And maybe she could kind of fall into a nice spot. She's going to go third start off the bench. And I think because her last race looks so bad, She'll just be a better price in here. Eliminate that last race. Go back to the Jessamine. She was only four to one that day in the Jessamine. And you can just, you know, just put a line through. It's on a good turf. She wants to go a little bit. She has a little bit of trouble, but we know she can sit. We know she can pass horses. And I think it'll give, she'll offer you a little value in here too. And just from a, a plain, can she compete with the best horses in this race? In, on speed figures, I mean, her top buyer is an 83, and that's right there with the horses we're talking about, with Life's mm-hmm. Inaudible and Ozara. Absolutely. You know, so. and, and it's, it, you know, this might turn into kind of a rider's race because, you know, they're, they're all going to try to plot mm-hmm. <laughs> to beat Life's Inaudible. And it, it's it's going to be hard because some of these horses' running styles, they're just going to go. And, and you know, these newly turned three-year-olds, they, they you know, it's it's hard to stop them. You know, they don't really know how to run that well yet. Um, not to mention Life's Inaudible. He's, he's got six six starts already, which is most of, of anybody in the field. I, I know there's a couple others with six, but, you know, it just sets up for that horse. I, it I really think does. that one's really going to be tough to beat. Yep. Race number nine, we go to the dirt. This is the grade two Devona Dale. So this is Kentucky Oaks points. These are three-year-old fillies in here. And we will have your two-year-old champ and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies winner, just FYI, who's undefeated. She's never been favored in her three races, never been under seven to two in those three races. Uh, 
but workmanlike and, and improving in each of those. But Barry, when we've had a lot of conversations over the last few weeks, we've seen a lot of horses like this and some of them have won. Others have not where this is the starting point. This is not the end all. She will likely try to go Devona Dale, then maybe a race like the Gulfstream Park Oaks or the Ashland at Keeneland. And then you go to the Kentucky Oaks. You know, that that's the pattern they will use. Some of these horses come back and only run one time before the Derby or the Oaks nowadays. But while she is very nice, she's very talented. She doesn't need to win this race. And she's not even really like, I like her, I think. And she, she gets trips and she's a really nice horse. Um, she doesn't really even stand out on speed figures in this race. No, you know, have horse, like Leslie's Rose who does. And even, you know, Fino's magic has run a little faster than her. And so she doesn't, tower over this field by any means for a horse who's undefeated a champ and the juvenile Phillies winner. Yeah. I mean, she kind of makes her own trip and and I think that affects things visually <laughs> to the point where, you know, she makes it look easy and You're right. And those, those trips she got in those three races end up looking like perfect trips, even though in the juvenile, she was way wide and, you know, got good position early. Junior did a great job of, you know, kind of getting her where she needed to be in order to be successful. Um, but at Gulfstream, you have to be really forwardly placed. And there's really not much in here past those three horses that you mentioned. Um, you know, Fiona's Magic, Leslie's Rose, and just FYI. There's really isn't much beyond those three horses here. I mean, you can maybe and give a I, nod to Queen's Martini to Champagne. The, I'll mention I'll mention the one on the outside a little bit in a second and but to be fair you're you're completely right and to be fair we we know what just FYI did I mean I don't even know how strong that forward gal that Fiona's magic comes out of I liked her going into the race and our Harper's Rose is the Florida bred who's solid she's honest I don't know how good she is in comparison with Kentucky Oaks Phillies you know and in that in that sense and Leslie's Rose has been very good she's kind of won in soft field so far gun song came back, but she's not really been tested and she'll probably have like, you're right. I mean, it's, it's not a, a strong, really overwhelming group. And a lot of these horses really aren't even all that proven yet. Right. And that's what makes these races tough because you could get a horse, any of these, any one of these horses could jump up and win. Yep. Um, But like from the form perspective, it looks like those three. And, I, and honestly, I think Fiona's magic is probably the quickest of them all. That's the key. She'll be in the lead. And that might be the key to the whole race, um, especially depending on prices and, and, and who gets bet where. I would gather Leslie Rose, Leslie's Rose and, and just FYI would be a little shorter than Fiona's magic. Um, yeah. But if there there is a situation where Fiona's magic and Leslie's Rose kind of hook up and then that kind of opens things up because, I you know, I'm I'm in the camp that just FYI isn't as good as her wins. Meaning that, you know, she won the juvenile that looks a lot better than actually what the race kind of did and, and how it was run and how fast it was. Um, so there is a possibility you could get a horse like Queens Martini who stretched out last time when she on, got uh, New Year's Day. She got blown up into the turn. Uh, going into that first turn mm -hmm. right at the start, forced out badly, like way out in the five path. And then she made a nice bid up the challenge. She lost to a horse named Power Squeeze, 
who came back to win next time out. Tampa. Um, the one for me though, Barry, it, it's into champagne because I was against her last time out. Cause I thought that was trying to beat her last mm-hmm. time out. She drew the rail in the slop coming off a six month layoff. That felt to me like the time to try to beat her. And I thought that she was pretty impressive that day. She was making her first start in seven months from the rail sloppy track. She got shuffled a bit inside. She was back to fourth, but she was only about two lengths off. She had nowhere to go. She just waited patiently angled around nicely to the two path in between opened up horse. She beat that day is a horse named launch who you could see when you uh, are looking at the DRF formulator past performances launch came right back to win next time out uh, earned an 82 buyer speed figure and doing so you compare that with this field. You know, that's, that's right there in the mix with this group, um, a horse that she beat coming back to run that race. That was her first start. So she can take a nice step forward. She is stretching out a little bit. The key, the key I'm hoping, can she sit third? You know, if those two horses we pointed out, can they, if uh, Fiona's magic and Leslie's Rose go, can this horse be forward from the outside and just carve out a really nice spot in, in third, maybe even try to pin in a horse like just FYI. Yeah. And, that's what I was going to say. Right? I mean, it looks like, you know, if, if Fiona's magic and Leslie's Rose go, those two are the next flight mm-hmm. Um, in maybe one other, you know, maybe Queens martini, but those look like the the five that are going to be right up front. And you know, that's, the that's trip how is a lot so of crucial, right. In the yeah, race like it this, because it's, it's totally you hit it on the head, like the positioning they're all trying to get. And if she can work her way into that second flight, sit in third or fourth and get clear run, then she'll have a chance to show if she's good enough. And maybe she doesn't win the Kentucky Oaks, but maybe this is a race where she um, can be a little bit fitter than just FYI, who maybe is a little short in this race. And then you've got two speed horses who end up battling each other and a horse like that falls into a spot. That's... That's how you have to look at these races sometimes, not necessarily who's just the best horse in the race, but in this particular race, how might it all shape up? And yeah, I'm going to throw in uh, this one into some, uh, some exotics from the outside there into champagne. You mentioned Queens Martini. We hit this field pretty good. Race number nine. That's the Devona Dale. Let's get to the very one Barry. This one is a mile and three eighths on the turf course here. Um, Starting point horses to discuss from the outside are Callie Kim is super sharp. She was a grade three winner. A couple starts back. She was second in the law prevoyant. She was chasing alpha Bella who went wire to wire, get to wire last time out. So she moved up the rail, looked like she was a winner, but the leader had had a little bit more left in the tank. So our Callie Kim was second that day. You have Cairo consort who was really good last year. And while she hasn't, her finishes haven't been as good. She's actually shown improvement recently. She's just been in tough spots. You know, she was in the Pegasus world cup against a group that, you know, any of those top six or seven that beat her that day would absolutely be favored in a spot like this. And now she'll make her third start back off a long, long layoff. She'll probably just run a lot better in here because the spot is much softer than uh, where she was last time out. Um, just from a, a starting point and talking about some of the, the main contenders, I think those are a few of them. Uh, but another challenging race where I think you can make cases for many. Yeah, I, I mean, you really can. I, I mean, all these horses under the 
you know, certain circumstances can win this race. I think the only one that might not be able to would be Rosario's prayer. Um, <clears throat> but even that one showed improvement in switching over to the lawn. Uh, so, you know, you yeah. never know. Um, but a horse that, that kind of interests me a lot is uh, Highland Grace. Um, this horse kind of showed improvement when they stretched, they stretched her out to these kind of distances. And, you know, you'll see last, last summer in June and July, she ran pretty, two pretty good races at, at this marathon type thing, even broke the maiden at a mile and three eighths. Um, but, you know, it, the, the only caveat is there, there's really a lack of speed in here. And the other horse that I, I wanted to mention because of that is Sister Luann. Um, I think this horse is better than Safi's other horse, which is Angel Natashiko. And <clears throat> it, it's kind of strange because they both have sort of the same running style mm -hmm. in the same race. I don't know if they'll both run, and that might be something to pay attention to because if they if they scratch Angel um, Natashiko. Then you really upgrade Sister Luann right. or vice versa. But I, I like Sister Luann better. I think she – She's a better horse. She's, she's a better horse. Better, right? Yeah, and faster. she can – She's more likely to compete with this group, I think, if she were to stay in this race. But from a pure pace standpoint, there just isn't much. And if these two don't go at it, or if there's only one of them, I think you have to use the one in your pick fours and pick fives because she she fits from a class standpoint with this Certainly group too. Not. We just don't know how far she wants to go. Right. She hasn't proven it, but she'll have she'll have the lead. She should be winging it. Right, it's just as long as far as she <laughs> she wants to take them, yep. because I, I think she's going to have her own way. And if the horse isn't faint-hearted, and and you know, pedigree-wise, she probably kind of borderline. You know, out of Kitten's Joy should go, and and the tap it frosted angle, um, she should be able to get it. But I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's this is a tough race, and you know, I think a lot of it, you know, people are going to gravitate towards Cairo Consort because of how she was you know, last year at this time, she really kind of hit her stride winning the ginger brew, then the Swedish chant, but she has a lot of problems finishing races off. And, and this is going to be tough. I mean, the, the speed is not in her favor. She's learned to settle, but almost too much where she's kind of a, a dead closer now, rather than being more forwardly placed. Not that I couldn't put her up closer, but that might ruin her chances because of the distance. So, that one's hard to to take, and you know I'm leaning towards tossing that one when, out. And it's, to be honest, while she did face, if you when watching her race, she just really didn't have much last time, and she no. was down on the inside, and she just was well beaten by that group. It wasn't like she even really made a middle move; she was just about four lengths behind all the way around. Her figures are improving, and they fit. But I agree with you. I just I think she'll be shorter a shorter price than she should be win or lose in here. Right. And you know, it, it doesn't bode well to be, you know, a, a race with lack of speed and she's going to close into that. To and I don't, this race, it'd be tough. It, and I mean, she's it, like lost it. Cause she used to have a lot more tactical yeah, speed. Absolutely. Last that year. Was, that was the thing about her. Even right when she came to Gulfstream, uh, that she had a little more positional speed and it's like, they've just, they've like lost that early edge with her. The horse who I, I think fits well as a horse in this group, but I just don't like the way the race shapes up for her is a horse that you've liked before, Miss Yearwood. Yeah. Who, yep. her race is going long on the grass. They're absolutely good enough to win this. 
Mm-hmm. I just don't know if she's going to get the type of pace she needs in here. I, she needs a little bit of help up front, but look at her races going to the last two times. She went a mile and a half on the turf. They were excellent. She beat a horse like named lovely princess who went over and is a stakes horse at fairgrounds. She's been in with good horses. The racing in the jockey club Oaks going a mile and three ace was very good. So any of the races in this range, they've been really solid and, it absolutely fit. And I was just watching Con Air the other day. So I heard, you know, the Trisha Yearwood, how do I get through a night without you while I'm handicapping and I'm looking at Miss Yearwood and I'm thinking, didn't Barry like that? And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, if I had to live without Barry, what kind of life would that be? You know, I'm just singing it all. But anyways, if, if there was the other pace horse or two in this race, I would really upgrade her. Because I think she fits with this group. I, yeah, she I certainly does. I can just see does. a second or a third come running, you know? She, she certainly does. But one thing I, I will point out is her last four or her four wins, three of them came with Lasix. Mm-hmm. That's a good and point. And she looks a lot better when she's running on yep. Lasix than she Absolutely. does without. And, and I think that might be the, the difference between her winning and losing on Saturday. So, you know, I'm kind of leaning in other directions. I think R. Kelly Kim even though the post isn't the greatest still can work out a trip because she's going to be kind of forwardly placed. She's versatile. Right. And, and, and be able to, you know, kind of run down whoever's up front. I think she could out finish, um, you know, uh, Safi's horse and, you know, it can, especially the way that alpha Bella was kind of winging it too. And she closed into that and just, just fell a little bit short, probably, needed that race she hadn't been out since november and i think there's a there probably is another step forward it's just a matter of price there's a look at race number 10 on saturday at Gulfstream park you can always find more uh singing on uh that's what you said <laughs> podcast uh each and every episode there you go for free it's folks for free, free. So you don't have to pay you don't have to pay 99 <laughs> as we move along to race number 11 I did read that the one castle chaos is going to be rerouted, which is a bummer. I thought the horse fit pretty well in this group and has been, you know, really moving forward steadily. So castle chaos out here, will be running in a different spot in this Gulfstream park mile. We're going to get to see our buddy tumble rumba, who we had nice success with on January the 27th. And honestly, again, in the way this race shapes up, he should really get a good trip again uh, from a gambling standpoint. It's tough to go to a horse who you got eight to one on last time and won't be that price at all this time. And is going to be one of the, you know, the top contenders and the top choices in here, but there's really not very much early speed at all. And by default, it might be him or ticking on the lead. That's certainly possible. Um, but I don't really think that Tumba Rumba wants the lead, even though. Me neither. No, I think know, he wants to sit with the target. He's a target. Yeah. I mean, he, he was kind of all out to win uh, the Hooper. And, you know. That was the spot too, right? Because we liked him. He was going to mm-hmm. get a good trip. So it makes me nervous that he projects to sit close in a race where there's not much. But that was like, that was his best race of his career. That was the day to play him at the right price, at the right everything all coming together it's tough to to do it back to back or to feel really confident back to back with a horse who's going to be a way shorter price. Yeah. I I'm probably going to fade um, that horse, but we'll see, you know, especially the way the betting turns out. I, I mean, now that Ca- castle chaos is out, 
that horse is probably going to take way too much money and be oh, yeah. overbet and yep. be be such an underlay that you kind of can't bet that horse in, a, in yep. a way. But a horse that was really interesting to me is the outside horse, Gilmore. And I can overlook those two races off the bench. Uh, the Mr. Prospector, which ran pretty good mm -hmm. um, to Sibelius, who, you know, has proven to be a, a, a real decent sprinter uh, to very good sprinter. Yep. And then in the Hooper, got kind of, you know, kind of broke flat-footed, got bumped, and then got squeezed out and then kind of just went through the motion. That was it. Yeah. And 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 honestly, the way that Jose Ortiz rode that horse after all that commotion in the beginning of the race, he kind of was riding her or uh, riding him like they had bigger plans because the horse kind of did show some interest in the stretch, but that muddied up his form just enough that I think you're going to get a decent price on this horse. And this horse has a decent chance to win. Um, you know, back last year in, in, in the spring and in summer, this horse was really good. Yep. Um, just didn't win, you know, kind of had, had a, some, some issues, you know, you kind of get that with closers, but in this race, I think this horse might be a little bit more forwardly placed. There's not much speed here. And this horse has the, the speed in the past to win a race like this if everything kind of unfolds the way you know it needs to because you have horses like wit like what do you do with a horse like wit i mean uh, there's not going to be any pace this horse nope. is, is basically a closer and honestly the horse doesn't even finish races off. He's been real dis you know, for a horse who's a multiple graded stakes winner on the dirt, <laughs> you he's would been never disappointing, know it. right? Yeah. Like he's just been a little disappointing overall. And for a horse who's won six hundred thousand, he just hasn't and, and that has to do with, you know, he's burned money as a favorite in spots that seem like so they were times. pretty good soft spots for him. And that's what makes it difficult in this type of a race where there's not that much speed to set up for him either. Yeah, I mean, it, I could see if they got a little more aggressive. I, well, that's what I think Steel Sunshine might do. That That's Austin. a horse who I'm going to use. I, yeah. I'm going to use him in, in here because of that. And I agree. I think overall, he's just a nice horse. He's mm -hmm. really honest in, in good form. He's been able to adapt to different scenarios. He's not that fast. So I'm just hoping with Paco, he can keep him close enough. Last time out, he actually was moving with Tumbarumba. He was really, really wide. Um, I'm I'm gonna make sure I'm using him in in exotics for sure, and I think I mentioned ticking as the other one who I'll probably throw in a few because he's not nearly as good as some of these, but he could really just catch a flyer. And if Tumbarumba says ah we'll sit, and everybody sits off a length or two, and this horse just sneaks away, I'm gonna at least have him on my ticket third start off the bench, you know, with the length on the field turning for home. Absolutely. So you know, one thing I I, I do want to mention is if everybody has that idea. And there is a little possibility, more. right? There, there's the gamble. Well, this is where the gamble lies. Whether you think that the pace is going to be slow or everybody's going to have the same idea and be like, oh, wow, this looks slow on paper. We got to go. And mm -hmm. then a whole bunch of people go. And then it, the pace heats up and it sets it up for a horse like, you know, Irmir Colo or, or, or Shaq Diesel, for example. Yeah. And Irmir um, Colo is certainly capable of winning this type of a race absolutely. against this type of a group, you know, with his better races. Absolutely. Just eliminate the Pegasus and look back at the form all before last at the end of last year. It's all of that was really solid. Yeah. And, and at this not quite top tier level, 
right? Yes. He wasn't quite what you could see. Smarty Jones at Parks, that's a grade three. That's the next tier of three-year-olds. He wins that race. But then when he steps up in the Pennsylvania Derby and has to face a little bit tougher in the grade ones against Saudi Crown, that's a little too tough for him. This spot, this level, it's a good spot for him from a class perspective. It really is because they're getting some relief. Yeah. And Tumba Rumba, he was just moving up from Louisiana Bread Company last time. (laughs) It's not as if he's some overwhelming monster and he's just, he's a really sharp, nice horse in good form, but there is nobody in here that should scare you. No, not at all. I mean, this is this, at least this race kind of projects to be a chaotic race. And I, I would, kind of go deep in here and in, in multi-race bets there's there's just nobody that i think deserves off their form to be a really short favorite or that short of a price in here and if they're the ones that are i'm gonna go elsewhere because yeah i think that's the scratch of, of castle chaos is gonna make the tumbarumba to, yeah. to tumbarumba a lot and i think mm-hmm. that'll probably be our approach in here using some of these other horses I'm probably throwing in Il- Il- Miracolo in a few. He doesn't have to be too far out of it, you know, if, if when they want to get aggressive. Definitely Steel Sunshine, who you mentioned. And I'm probably throwing in uh, Ticking and Gilmore. Those are probably the four I use trying to beat Tumbarumba in here and some, uh, some Maltese. Let's keep rolling, my friend. Where do we go? Race number 12. This one is the grade three Canadian turf. Mile and a 16th on the turf course here for older horses. Down on the inside. You have a couple who are very interesting because going through this field, there isn't all that much early speed. And Saratoga Flash is a horse who did not get close to the lead last time out from way wide, but from an inside draw has definitely shown the ability to go wire to wire in a spot like this. Next door, you've got Smoking T, who is a graded stakes winner and who's been in really nice form as of late for Suge. but. Haven't seen this one since November the 11th. And then Emmanuel, one of our old buddies, a horse who you've had some good success with a few times, Barry. He is certainly capable of probably one of the better A games of anyone in the field here. Um, He actually won this race last year, although he did have the benefit of a race off the bench last year when he won it, which was the Tampa Bay. But he actually ran better by figures off the bench than he did in a second start off the bench. So if you like him, maybe it doesn't bother you that he's coming off of a layoff. Uh, a tone is also another who's capable of really good with his a game. He won the Pegasus world cup in 2023. He tailed completely off form in a few races after that. But then in his last few, he's sort of woke back up and he wasn't beaten all that much. And he actually ran really well in the Pegasus world cup turf this year. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about the Canadian. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, this is another tough race because I I don't like Saratoga flash at all, even though, you know, that one's going to set the pace and it's just like a a wild kind of thing. I, I I really don't know what to make of that horse, to be honest with you. And, and my instincts is like, no, we we can't go there, but there's situations where that horse can just run off and win um, without any pressure. Uh, depending on the price, but you know, I would figure giant game is going to be forwardly placed as well and, yep. and try to get up front. So he's the key to the race. Least, exactly. He's the whole key to the race because he's fast. He's also entering a race on Friday. So we'll know if he's not in this race, 
Maybe you upgrade the one a little bit, and that's a horse that you probably want to use in a pick four or five if you're spreading out here because that is a speed horse. But I totally agree with you if the presence of Giant Game is in here, and it's it's tough to love Saratoga Flash as a horse that I'm I'm going to say I'm going to go bet this horse to win. Right. I'll probably throw him in the tickets, but he he needs that that type of trip. I felt like the two horses right next to him are probably the two to beat. Smoke and tea and Emmanuel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Emmanuel a lot. This, this horse is very, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he's another one, like we talked about life's inaudible. He could be anywhere he wants in this race. Um, if, if they go slow enough, he could be close. If they're, you know, if, if they get, you know, going up front and, and the pace heats up, this horse can come off the pace too and finish strong. And that's what I like about him. Um, yeah. You know, but turf King is another one that is, is kind of like a mystery horse. You know, this horse has been kind of on the turf and then on the synthetic hasn't really run a bad race, but hasn't really broken through. And Chad Brown is very, very cold at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's been sustained um, the whole meet, right? right. It's I mean, been... he's only at 9% for the meet, which is unheard of for him. Six winners. Yeah. The whole meet. But he's got a lot of seconds. Yep. I mean, that, that could easily be turned around. Um, but it's tough to take a horse like that. Even Siege of Boston, um, it's like, what kind of trip is that horse going to get? I know we kind of lagged uh, behind the the speed in, in the last race at Tampa. Probably needed it. And I think this horse is probably going to be a lot more forwardly placed because those two races, the, the one at Churchill in November and then the last one, it's kind of wide. And I think this horse is probably going to be more forwardly placed and get yeah, a he's better in the next- trip. Yeah, and no couldn't get by him. couldn't get by Saratoga Flash at uh, Kentucky Downs, but that's kind of a weird kind of track anyway. Um, so I, I'd be willing to give that one a shot. I mean, his numbers and speed figures fit, fit very very well here. Um, Atone, I think his best days are, are behind him. That sort really... of felt like the the like the glory race last time almost. You yeah, know, like kind of dug deep and, and, and to try to go one more time up. in the Pegasus, yeah. you know, and now it's like, I almost feel like that may have took a little starch out of him. And I probably, he'll probably be bet this time. And I think win or lose, he'll be shorter than I would want to play him in this spot. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't want to go near him um, just because of his running style and how this, this race is going to shape up. Um, but man, I mean, even a horse like Eldon's Prince, I, I couldn't, dismiss completely Com- just no? because the horse is probably on the improve but man this is this is a tough race even though the field isn't so large it's still tough because you got to get position and you got to get ready to you know ready to strike not rich where, strike. where where we sit a, where we sit a few days out my fur my sort of grouping of horses that i'm thinking about using in the exotics are uh one two three and then siege of boston the three inside and siege of Boston will probably be in combos. You know, some, some horse, if I'm playing my tries or if I'm playing some sort of Maltese, those will be the horses right now who are on my radar. Maybe I, I whittle down from there, but I think I'm, I'm with you. I'm probably a little cold on a tone and, um, Emmanuel will be one that I would, I would be I might fine. Single yeah. Yeah. I'd be fine <laughs> pressing and singling on a ticket or two. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're playing a late, I always play a couple tickets. If you're playing a late pick four, late pick five, uh, they haven't put the races out yet. I don't think I can look right now in a second and find out, you know, maybe if this is a coast to coast pick five race, something like that, you could single this horse in a, in a spot. I'd have no problem singling Emmanuel 
yeah, they, they don't have him out yet for, uh, for this weekend. So he, he feels like with his best race, he could show up. And I think you hit all the points that he's versatile. He's shown that he can win off the bench too. And he's just not quite been a grade one horse. He's really solid. Other than that, it just yeah, right when yeah. he steps up to the tip top levels, it's a little too much for him. Other than that, he's always competitive at the grade three or you no know, grade two level. He's always there. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. This is, is going to be another fun race, you know, Emmanuel, our buddy. Let's move to the 13th. Two more races to discuss on the 14 race card, Saturday, March the 2nd on Fountain of Youth Day. <clears throat> now, remember, uh, as we move to the last couple, there is a huge uh, contest on Saturday, the Ultimate Betting Challenge. It is a contest you can play live at Santa Anita, you could play at Gulfstream Park, or you could play from expressbet.com. And what's cool about this contest, it's the full card for both uh, for Santa Anita and for Gulfstream. Now we'll see what's going on with Santa Anita because that may you know change things for this. But with the UBC, Barry, there are a couple of um, qualifiers leading into this. And I know you and I have talked about this for a while. So we're recording on Wednesday. The Ultimate Betting Challenge is on Saturday. It costs 6000 to enter. That's a lot. That's a lot for, for people to fork up an entry fee. There's a contest on Friday where you could win your way in for 600 a lot more doable i think for people and then there's a game on thursday that's a 40 dollar feeder that gets you a spot into friday and then you get into saturday and this contest is going to have $150,000 in prizes if it gets to 150 entries which they're expecting they're going to be four nhc seats given out and it's one of the biggest contests of the entire year and it gives you a chance to play the entire card check it out at expressbet.com i've been helping them promote some of the contest as of late over there and this is one of the biggest ones of the year so uh yeah they're projecting with 150 entries that's 150,000 in cash prizes barry that's four nhc seats for next year with the full package like the nhc for this year is coming up uh just a few weeks um from now too so these tournaments are great for some of the folks out there who, you know, you feel like you kind of have an even playing field when you're in a tournament. Everyone has the same rules. Once ever, once the entry fee is forked up, it's all everyone's in the same boat. Yeah, you are, and and you know anybody can catch a heater on any day. Yeah, one and, race, and- one big, you know, one run. Uh, the guy that I promoted uh, winning one of the recent ones at Santa Anita, um, William who had nothing going into the last race, hit a hundred dollar exacta in the last race. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and, and, and leapfrogged know. everybody. Yep. And, um, and that's how it works. I mean, I I've done it myself. I, I mean, you know, you're, you're at the bottom of the pack and you just kind of start trying to sniff out some decent long shots. And sometimes you can put two or three of them in a, in a row together and, and, and turn your whole day around. I mean, that's even without playing in the tournament too. Mm-hmm. You know, if Same you, thing. It, all it takes is one and, and, and you're just soaring high. So it's always exciting. It's, it, it adds a different layer of, of strategy and things to this game. That's already difficult. And, it, and it's so much fun. If you're someone who plays with the type of approach that we do, I think a lot of people who are players like us, Barry, who love the races, play a lot of races, but we're not betting with thousands and thousands of dollar bankrolls. We're playing 
to try to find horses that we really like to try to make a lot of money off of a little bit of money, you know? And, um, I, I think the contest format for people who already play that way and who already are in the no chalk zone and who are looking for those five to one and up horses, you're, you're already ahead of the game. If that's your approach coming to contest play, cause you're already doing the right thing in your head before well, you get in there you know you know that's that's how i credit a lot of my success at finding long shots mm-hmm. and horses that are prices is from playing in tournaments because you, you just can't chalk out nope. i mean there's people that do it and they win occasionally but you know you know you got to hit let's say two and, two to one shots and you get one 10 to one blow you right out of the water exactly so, you know in your head it's better to just say hey look I'm not even going to look at these horses that are under four to one in this spot. And, and I'm going to look at the, or to play. Right. And that doesn't mean you don't handicap them or look at them and see, but that's not even a playable horse for me here. I think when you're playing that way on a smaller budget, you just know that you don't have to hit as often to win, to be competitive, to win a contest, to, you know, for me, I'll play a pick four or pick, pick five, and then I'll play a few horses to win throughout the day that are big prices because if one of my horses wins, I've got all my money back for the day. I've, I've my money that I bet I got a free roll on a pick four or pick five. And most of the time I've already made money just on one of the four horses winning. Yeah. And, and it could set you up. I mean, there, there's so many ways to, to play and make money. You know, it, it's tough because there's a lot of different bets. There's, you Which know, means you there's a lot of ways focus. to lose too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so um that's why i think taking the good the good shots the and i've said this before and we've said a lot of these things before the one as i've gotten more and more and i I, i've had some bad beats recently i'm in one of those bad stretches where i'll keep getting myself set up nicely and then something just wicked is happening at the end but the one thing that i can control is making smart wagers and making value and, and betting good value in what i do I can't control rides. I can't control stewards' decisions. I can't control track conditions. I can't control a paceless race that shouldn't have been paceless. Those things are out of my control. What I can control, who and how I bet. And I'm going to make sure that most of the time, I at least put myself in a good position with those things because those are the things I can control. That's the key is getting position. And same thing, you know, we're, we're just talking about tournaments. It's the same situation. Exactly. When you put yourself in a, in a position to win, the more times you do that, you're going the more to. likely you're going to win. Right. And and I actually wrote an article about this years ago. Um, and I, and I kind of compared it to baseball at getting in a bat. The more bats you have, the more likely you are to hit, get hits. And, you know, basically you, you get, you know, in a pick four scenario, you, you hit the first three races, the payoff leg, that's an at bat. And it, the more times you get to that payoff leg, the more likely you are, you're going to hit. And and that's the kind of mentality that I had to turn into in order to try to, to hit those kind of bets um, regularly. So you just got to focus, get the right sequence, make the right bet, and then hope for the best. <laughs> we are going to move to the final two races on the card at Gulfstream Park for Saturday. Fountain of the Youth Day, Barry Spears and Gino Bacola here. We are up to race number 13. And uh, in this particular race, you'll have a horse like Be My Sunshine and Walkathon who come out of the Endeavor. They were 1-2. Figure both of them will get some good support in here. Chili Flag comes out of the Pegasus Philly and Mare 
turf. She will likely get some good support in this one as well. She's a major player. And um, I actually thought from the inside, the horse who I wanted to mention first, Miss Carol Ann is very interesting. Shout out to my mom, uh, maiden name Carol Ann Rochford. So uh, the Carol Ann is her uh, middle name. Ms. Carol Ann for Grand Motion is a horse who I look at her form since she comes into the motion barn. September 18th, 2022. It's her first start in the U.S. She runs into a loaded group. She's behind a horse named Faith in Humanity who wins the Pebbles and then comes back and wins the Honey Fox. Faith in Humanity was in excellent form to start uh, in that stretch of four races right there where she won three out of four and back-to-back graded stakes races. The runner-up in that race was Gina Romantica, who is now a multiple grade one winner. Won the QE2 Cup, won the First Lady. This horse was only beaten the length in the Breeders' Cup mile last year against the boys. You also have Amorier, who was in that race. This is a grade one winner, multiple graded stakes winner. She won the Bayacoa and the Beholder Mile last year. She's a very nice filly, um, you know, when she was at the top of her game. So you look at the strength of the race. That was her first start in the U.S. She comes back in her second race. She takes a really nice step forward. She's second behind a horse named Regal Realm. And at that point, Regal Realm was winning three races in a row. And Regal Realm is a grade three winner. So no shame in finishing second that day. After that, we see she's got some gaps, right? And that was a gap from September to May. Then after, she's off for a few more months. She shows back up in July. Fine there. She shows a little speed. She finishes fourth that day. She takes a little step forward in her second start back. But what ends up happening? She has to go to the bench again from September to January. Every time she's gotten started, she's had a layoff. Got started, layoff. Two races. You could see she's running a little bit better. She stakes placed in this race. Then she stops. She's off till January the 27th. Shows back up on January the 27th. I thought it was the perfect example of a horse that ran like they needed the race. And we haven't shown any replay. So I'll pull up uh, the replay for Carol Ann here who draws the rail. She's the number seven in the race that we're watching here. Hey, Pete, the voice of uh, Pete ILO out there at Gulfstream Park. So in this race, she's the number seven. She's sit fine start. She ends up backing off here and she sits about fifth. Ends up sitting about fifth, sixth. Um, she's only three or four lengths off. She backs up a little bit here. So she's sitting in the two path. Um, and if we just flash a little forward to her, watch her sort of move up into contention, but then just look like a horse who needed the race. She was a little bit short because she's had so many gaps in her recent form. This isn't a bad effort. And she's honestly still trying. She doesn't stop badly here or anything. She's just out there not quite as sharp as some of the others, just not quite as fit. She's not far out of contention right here when play the music goes on with it. And like the difference between fourth and sixth was not that much for her. Now, second start back off the bench. She's going to be inside. So she's going to save all the ground. I think this is the type of mare who can take a really big step forward in this race, Barry. I think she's got a little hidden form I wouldn't be shocked if there's a big step forward in there because she just hasn't been able to put a bunch of races together. Yeah, the, the this is a sneaky horse. I mean, because at least on paper, 
And one of the things that that confuses me about this horse is the running style. I don't know yeah, what this horse me really neither, wants really. to do. I I mean, back in in you know uh, the UK, this horse was kind of coming off the pace like really really far back, and then here at Saratoga shows speed, and and then again in the in the Violet at Mammoth, which is I, so opposite of how it usually is, right? Right, and and I don't know if that was just a function of the field and and how everything kind of played out those on those days, or if this horse is actually better doing that, or if Grand Motion was trying to figure her out and say, hey, why don't we take her to the lead and see what happens? I don't know, and then that's that's really a conundrum, especially in a race like this because there's a lot of speed. And it's the key is what trip can they get? I love that she's in good hands. And I think this is the race we're going to see the best effort from her. Can she track, sit something like third inside, get a nice trip and pass some horses. I'm going to roll the dice that that's the kind of trip she can get. Maybe like what she was sitting here at Belmont behind Regal realm that day. That's what I'm hoping for. Just like that. That seems like the ideal trip for her. Mm -hmm. Um, But talk to us about some that are on your radar here. You know, there's so much speed in here. If you start from the outside, Ancient Peace has definitely got to go. Has to. Uh, time, time passage. Mohawk Trail is going to be in the mix. For yep. the flags going to be in the mix. Yep. Walkathon maybe can sit a little. Spansive has the potential to, to, to heat up the mm-hmm. pace. Um, even Miss Carol Ann, if, if things kind of fall a certain way. And and even like be my sunshine last time right. got caught behind a, a walkathon who was on the lead. Sometimes they they get extra aggressive in a race afterwards, where you want to make sure that you don't get caught behind, and then all of a sudden you're a little too fast early on, and you get caught up when it would have been better if you sat in this race. Yeah, that, and that's that's really tough. But you know, with that being said, I think the pace is going to be solid here and ripe for a closer. And I, I kind of zeroed in on Candy Light for those reasons. Um, this horse has won at the distance before and should get a, a real favorable setup. Um, and the other horse is Chili Flag. I, I think that one on the on the class drop. Looks, she just she's uh, like going to trip out, right? Yeah, she really it, looks like she'll get a good trip. She really does, but then you have to factor in, you know, Chaz Brown's been very very cold lately, and you don't want to take too I don't, short. Exactly. I don't know what the price is really going to be like on this horse. You know, getting Irad, Chad Brown, they win a lot of races together. If they're bet down too much, I, you know, I would tend to think somebody else. That's why I kind of threw in uh, Candy Light. But, man, it, it, this is this is another tough race. I mean, it, it's just it can go a lot of different directions. The only one that I don't think I mentioned, you kind of hit the key for a horse like this Mohawk trail. Can she sit like she did in a couple races, like at Woodbine here on July 22nd, sitting a mile. It's not a bad race. She does. She does have to deal with the layoff. She'll probably be having to deal with a wide post. I like her as a horse. I just, she's probably a horse who I'll keep an eye on for their next spot. Um, just to mention training well is training well as anybody. I mean, I I don't know. I might have to use that horse, especially, you know, that one might get overlooked because of the jockey, the connections. She's she's not really overmatched that much on speed figures and stuff either. When you look at what her better races are, 
they're not far away. That horse breath away is a real quality horse who would fit with these. Just you can eliminate that last race at Kentucky. Sometimes that's just tricky there. And the races at Woodbine were good. They're very good. And she ran well at Indy prior to that. You start going through her form overall. And it's not bad that race at Tampa behind mission of joy and alpha Bella is not a bad race. That, that those were, that was a strong group in alpha Bella. We just saw come back and win going long um, now as a you know, a year older. So race number 13 is the honey Fox. Let's move to the main event race. Number 14. This one is the grade two fountain of youth. So as we sit here on Wednesday, we don't know for sure exactly what speakeasy is going to do and merit. Um, it does look like merit's going to go in the allowance race seemed that way. And I hope that. Todd Pletcher hasn't made the decision yet. Todd Pletcher hasn't made the decision yet with, um, with speakeasy, but let's talk about this race. Like they're in, like this is the field. Okay. Let, like, yeah. Let's say they're in this race because I, I, they made it seem like for some reason speakeasy were to not run in this race that maybe merit would run in this race. So I don't think he's definitively said he's not going in it, but it was leaning more like he wanted to be in the allowance race and they were thinking <laughs> speakeasy was going to come in this race. So that Friday, the allowance race, there's one that's actually pretty strong with conquest warrior also in it. And uh, that's where these horses are cross centered. Talk about the grade two fountain of youth. Barry, with you have two horses that were proven two-year-olds last year that are making their first start of the year, Dornich and Locked, and you have some up-and-coming horses like Merritt, like Real Macho, Victory Avenue, and Speak Easy, who are all talented. So you have the horses with more proven form, but this isn't the end-all, be-all for them. Those horses are you know, focused on trying to be prepping and ready and primed for the Derby. Locked has been rerouted, I think, a couple different times, too. So you never know if he's going to be necessarily 100% in this race. How does this thing shake out in your mind? Um, it, It's really Locke's race to win or lose. I mean, I agree. You know, you would think Speakeasy is going to attract a lot of attention um, just because of that flashy maiden score. Um but it's it's hard to tell what they're going to do when they stretch out, and I don't want to take a horse like that at a short price. And we've seen it time and time again. You know, the, the horse with the big figure goes into a race, doing something for the first time, and they just don't fire, or you know, just needed the experience and and come out of the race better than they went into it. Um, and they're you know usually with these younger horses, they the pace is going long for the first time tend to heat up and you got some speed here victory avenue who, who speakeasy faced the first time is in here as well and should provide some pace um the dom bro will probably have to try his best to get to the front he might be right in between horses that are both showing speed too right door knock who who probably class wise is sit, better than right? everybody else but i don't think he's he sit either or no. he's i gotta see it from him at least he hasn't shown me really that he's wanted to sit. Well, I mean, he might be forced to because the paces in the races that he he's been going like a mile and the 16th have been slower and, and he might just fall into that kind of trip. If especially a, if the two or the three horses inside of him go. Right. And he doesn't want to go four or five wide. He lets them go and sits behind him. We saw Timberlake have to do that and he did it, you know, uh, at Oakland, but I'm, I'm betting against, 
Dornich doing it or doing it successfully to win in this spot in this first start here. I don't think he's going to to sit as much. I so it sounds like between him and Locked, you you prefer Locked. Oh, absolutely. I think Me Locked. It, it's it, you know that horse is got the run of the race, and it's just a matter if he's fit and ready. Yeah. Um, and the other horse that that kind of caught my eye was Merritt. I, I liked his race off the bench, um, and and should improve off of that effort. Um, you know, Real Macho is in this race too. And you can't count that one out just because yeah. of the running style. That's that's the key, right? The two, the two that I'm semi intrigued by, with are Real Macho. This might just be a race that he falls into a good spot mm-hmm. because of the of the field. I'm looking at closers, I think, and I'm kind of eliminating some of some of the closers. I I I need to see Dancing Groom improve a little bit more. I need to see Frankie's Empire maybe improve a little bit more. Um, I I couldn't really get there with, you know, LaDom Bro. I think he's going to be part of the pace. So as far as the closers, I'm kind of down to real macho and locked. And if we think locked is maybe just a little bit short here and maybe better second time out, by process of elimination, this is one of these horses who could be one of the few closing. He could be improving right now, fit, not have to be that far out of it with some tactical speed that he's shown. He may not be a Kentucky Derby winner, but he may be ready to run one of the better races on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, real macho and lock seem to be the only, you know, true kind of closers. I mean, Frankie's mm-hmm. empire is a closer, but I don't, I don't think that horse is going to be anywhere. This, near. I don't think he's as quality. Right. Exactly. Um, but I mean, it's just a matter of who's, who's ready. And you would think that locked might not be, at his best. So a horse like real macho has a lot of intrigue here. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the one that I, I think might be the spot play in this race. If you're looking for maybe a horse to play to win, definitely throw him in your pick fours and your pick fives here. Cause he could get a really nice trip. The saying, if this race were to stay intact, what, what makes it a little difficult with horses like victory Avenue and Speakeasy. So they were both in the same race on January the 27th. And it was a strong maiden special weight race uh, on paper. It really looked like a strong one. And Speakeasy actually drew the rail. Watch, we can show the beginning of the race here. Um, Speakeasy drew the rail. Speakeasy is the one victory avenues, the five. And again, this is the career debut. These are horses who they both know they are highly regarded. Their connections know they're good. They think highly of. So I'm not shocked that they both show speed. It is hard when a horse is only run one time to even know for sure that they're just a have to go to the lead speed horse, right? I mean, because either one of these horses, Victory Avenue broke right on top and went. And then we see Speakeasy get off the rail and move to the outside. If either one of these horses were a little bit more off the pace, I really wouldn't be that shocked. It's just difficult when horses only have the one race because you really don't know. Their running style could be different from what they showed in the only race we've seen. Well, not only that, they ran huge numbers for, for, you know, they're talented starters. They definitely are, but it's like, well, how, Did they... how, how much better can they get? Mm-hmm. It's and, a great point. you know, they could win this race, win the next race, but at some point they're going to have to regress. And, you know, I, I think that what, what did I see? The highest buyer this year was like a, was it like a 105? 105. 105. Oh, so, 
the 105, I think that we've seen with like the dirt, uh, Judge Miller hit it last week. Um, and there's been three or four other horses. Speak Easy was the biggest debut so far this year with a hundred. Um, I think there have been a three or four others that are three year olds in this class that have hit the triple digit buyer speed figure. But no, I, I agree with you as far as can they improve? That was a monster race first time out. I'm more like, if one of the two of these horses doesn't go and then some of these horses start sitting off, this is a situation it could where get crazy. a horse like Victory Avenue just goes, <laughs> right. you know, and yeah, then yeah. and then just sneaks away. I do think this this is a nice horse, Victory Avenue, as mm-hmm. well as Speakeasy. And if for some reason Speakeasy is getting a, bun- a bunch of money and there's a huge difference between these two, I'm not going to completely dismiss Victory Avenue if this horse gets dismissed by the public a little bit in here. Yeah. I mean, you got to think that one's, you know, ripe to be third choice. So if for some reason he's not, or there's a big difference between them, I'm going to, I'm going to include him in, uh, in one of the four Kentucky Derby prep races that are set up for this weekend. Gulfstream park has the fountain of youth. We have the, uh, aqueduct. What is the Gotham over at aqueduct? We've got, uh, Santa Anita with the San Felipe, which will either be Saturday Sunday. or Sunday this week. And then we've got a uh, Turfway Park, I believe with the Bataglia as one of their prep races. And then they'll have another one coming up next month. So big weekend from Friday through Sunday, there are four Derby preps and four Oaks preps scheduled between four different tracks. Santa Anita, you've got Turfway, Aqueduct and Gulfstream Park. Hopefully we were help we were able to help lead you to a, a few horses here at Gulfstream Park on a really good card to dive into. Barry, man, it's kind of crazy to think about right now how fast it's going at Gulfstream Park because we really have the one, one big, big day of right. the championship meet with Florida Derby and that next big day, but we've already been through Holy Bull and Pegasus and now Fountain of Youth. It is really flying, and that always signals how close we are getting to the Kentucky Derby. Absolutely, there's only a month left. I mean, the the Florida Derby is at the end of uh, of March, March yeah, April, like the first weekend, um, and then it's it's Keeneland. So once you get to Keeneland, it's like here, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. So we'll see all those prep races in the month of March, and uh, hopefully this 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 uh, Derby picture gets more clear. Barry Spears, my good friend, joins me each and every week to talk races from all across the country. Barry, let the folks out there know where they can hear more of you with Going in Circles, with Big Mondays. We'll always be following you on social media uh, at Urban Handicapper. But talk to the folks about uh, about the podcast and what you have with the, with Going in Circles. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to be forced to, I think, have to, to provide video. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so Love so it. that might be happening. You know, we got some equipment coming and uh, we're going to we, we have to get that settled first before we, we're going to invite more guests on. And we're definitely going to get Gino on. Um, but that's some things that we're planning on doing. Um, you'll see me pop up here and there, you know, radio shows, Steve Vick, stuff like that. So definitely uh, hit me up on Twitter. Always willing to talk to races, man. Barry Spears is the man. And I hope you have a fantastic Saturday, buddy. Barry and I will be back next week. So next week is the big one, um, Tampa. Next week is Tampa, I believe, the Tampa Bay Derby. Yes, next indeed. week. 
And then I think there's like one week sort of in between where there's not a big prep. And then boom, it's that last like Tampa Bay Derby kind of kicks off the last round of preps. We go from Tampa to fairgrounds, a little bit Oaklawn after that too. And then back to Santa Anita Gulfstream, and uh, at aqueduct. And, you know, we'll get to Keeneland following that too. So whew, we're getting there. We are excited. And get, uh, Barry and I will be here on the road to the Derby with you over the next couple months. Thanks so much, everyone for hanging out with us. Remember whenever you're going to play the races, head to DRF.com. Gulfstream park has, uh, past performances, clocker reports, DRF picks every racing day at shop.drf.com there. Mike Welsh does a fantastic job covering all the stuff from uh, from Gulfstream. David Grenning is always helping out there when there's big days, helping out with extra articles and extra previews and stuff like that. So DRF has a fantastic team on board. Good luck to everyone. Barry and I will be back talking more racing next week. We hope you have a fantastic Saturday all around the country. Best of luck. are coming up on one of the busier racing weekends of the entire year. There are four Kentucky Derby prep races and three Kentucky Oaks prep races between Friday and Sunday this week. I say Sunday because some of the Santa Anita races now are moved to Sunday and we will focus on this video about Aqueduct and their late pick four on Saturday, which is an all stakes pick four. I had to Get the services of a good friend of mine, the man who works for NYRA Bets. So that means not only does he cover the racing for NYRA, but he's also dishing out best bets throughout the week, making sure to entice you all to get to NYRA Bets. I'm talking about Matt DeSantis. How's it going, Matty? Going great, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you about this great sequence, but just great to talk to you in general. And yeah, we got a really exciting All-Stakes Pick 4 at Aqueduct and uh, some really nice... Full, pretty full fields and some, I think, good betting opportunities in this sequence. Gotham is super intriguing. Big field. While there may be a couple of shorter priced horses, they're not all that proven, yeah. right? And Brad Cox has four in there. So <laughs> all of them are live. It's a it's an intriguing group and it doesn't have necessarily one of the top two or, or three three-year-olds right now. But there's some talent in there. And then in the uh, in the busher, we have the runner-up from the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies making her debut. Yeah, absolutely. And and so it's, like I said, a lot of exciting horses. And I, that's a great way to characterize the Gotham, I think, is there might not be a horse that you go, well, this horse is going to be my derby horse. But I think there are some horses in there who could end up being a Belmont horse or who could end up being potentially a horse we see up at Saratoga running some big races this summer. Uh, because these are some horses that just got a late start and are just kind of starting to hit their stride and starting to mature 
And I think we're only starting to scratch the surface with a few of these entries on Saturday. So, yeah, really exciting day. And uh, but as you said, exciting day across the country. You know, we got the Pataglia at Turfway. We got everything going on at Gulfstream. And then Sunday, like you said, the big cap and the San Felipe out of Santa Anita. And I got to say, I'm in Southern California. I grew up five minutes away from Santa Anita. I like that they're doing this now because one thing I understand if it happens all the time and there's been a lot of rain out here over the last two months, mm-hmm. like record historic yeah. rain rainfall for this time of the year. It's been really bad like right from the very beginning. But when you're supposed to have a big day of racing and some good races on the grass and quality racing that Kentucky Derby points may be up for grabs for some of these horses, I have no problem pushing it to a day where, you know, there's not going to be any rain. And just yeah. making sure that that you're going to get that in. You don't have to worry about the middle of the day where there's scratches and changes, surface switches. We're wondering who's in, who's out. Are these horses going to run? Everyone's handicapping has to switch. Now everybody knows Saturday we're going to focus on Aqueduct and Gulfstream Park and, and other tracks. And then Sunday, now we'll all get to kind of have a focus on Santa Anita and their card, good card. Absolutely. And then Saturday and then Sunday's card is going to get run on Monday, which will make Monday all that more fun, uh, you know, to handicap Santa Anita uh, on that day. So, yeah, I I don't mind it as well. I mean, if it's just a postponement, that doesn't bother me in the least. I mean, when you don't lose, as long as you're not losing racing days, exactly, uh, I'm okay with it. And, you know, you, you want to see horses run under optimal conditions and, you know, I say that as someone who spent the entire summer up at Saratoga where we worst luck ever of the worst luck you could imagine. And, you know, unlike Santa Anita at Saratoga, because it's a boutique meet, you can't really postpone much uh, because you run Wednesday through Sunday. So you can't really push things around too much. Nope. Uh, and as a result, you know, we had to take a lot of things off turf. Uh, obviously we had to seal track a lot and it just led to smaller fields. And it, it was, a, you know, obviously a challenging summer in that regard and a lot of other ways too, but it was, um, you know, but so I, I respect what they're doing out there and, you want to give people the best possible product and that's the way you're going to do it. So really cool weekend of racing coming up. One of the busiest of the entire year when it comes to different tracks, all having big races starting on Friday night at Turfway park. You're going to have a, a points race up for grabs in the Cincinnati trophy for Phillies in the Oaks. So there'll be uh, points up for grabs there. And then on Saturday, We'll have a couple uh, at fair, fairgrounds has a couple of stakes races, but really Gulfstream with their nine stakes races. Turfway has a points race in the Bataglia, and uh, and then we get to Aqueduct with the four stakes races and all stakes pick four to close things out. We're gonna dive into the daily racing form past performances. Matt actually posted a really cool DRF formulator stat. That's actually a little teaser for the first race that we're going to talk about, which is the busher. So if you're like Matt, if you're like me, if you're like a lot of folks out there who like to use those DRF past performances, make sure you get the DRF.com. You can get those PPs every day for Aqueduct for all the tracks you're playing. And for Aqueduct, you can get DRF picks and more throughout the meet as we get ready to talk all stakes pick four. So, Maddie, race number seven is where the stakes action gets started on Saturday, and we get things going with the Busher, which is the one-turn mile. So this is a three-year-old Philly points race, and Jody's Pride was the runner-up in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. We'll actually see Jody's Pride and the horse 
who beat her, just FYI, both return on Saturday in different prep races. Just FYI will be a logical contender in the Devona Dale down at Gulfstream Park. But both of them, and anytime you have horses like this at this time of the year, it at least has to be said that these are talented horses who did their best work at two. They're making their first start of the year. This is not the end goal for them. They want to be ready for the Kentucky Oaks. And on the opposite side, some of these horses, Phillies and the Colts, they're really good and precocious at two, and they don't quite take that next step forward at three. So when you have really short price horses like this to start, you have to at least mention those things. And, and then you got a really great stat looking at Formulator. Uh, Jody's pride, obviously, overwhelming favorite in this race at four to five. But to your point, coming off a really substantial layoff, not having not run since that Breeders' Cup weekend. And so I wanted to see how was trainer Jorge Abreu at bringing horses back into an aggressive spot, into a, you know, a, a, a non-graded stakes or a stakes race uh, after this. And amazingly, Jorge Abreu over the last five years is 0 for 51 with horses coming off a 100 to 180 day layoff. And when I narrowed it down, even to like look at stakes races and graded stakes races, I mean, obviously the zero doesn't change, but it's still a pretty substantial denominator. Uh, so you still end up with like 0 for 16 in graded stakes races, 0 for 24 in graded and non-graded stakes races. So, uh, you know, it, he just does not have a lot of success bringing horses back from a long layoff and kind of lets them run into shape a little bit. And, you know, this horse has had a couple of nice works, admittedly, down at Gulfstream Park leading up to this race. But I think as a legitimate question mark, as a four to five favorite, the speed figures would tell you that she's not an overwhelming favorite in this field that she doesn't no. possess a huge advantage. She has yeah. one race, which was her last race, where she has a better the better speed figure than anyone, but it's not that overwhelming. And prior to that, her her numbers are right in the mix with everybody else's. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that's, I think, going to be important to point out is, you know, there's going to be rain on Saturday at Aqueduct. Uh, you know, there's an 80% chance for showers, and it's going to be kind of raining throughout the day. So there's a likelihood of a sealed track. She's never run on a sealed track. She's never run on an off track. So that's a question. How will she handle that? Mm -hmm. uh, some horses handle it really well. Some don't handle it well at all. Um, you know, and so uh, for me, I'm going to try to beat a four to five favorite, especially coming off that long of a layoff. And you know, you, you look, there's a couple of horses, a horse like Jin Jin for Brad Cox, who won the Busanda going a mile and an eighth, notably did it over a muddy sealed track uh, and has run pretty well over an off track. Uh, and you're getting four to one on that horse. Even a horse like Regulatory Risk for Chad Brown, breaking from the inside rail, yep. would need to get a little bit faster, just broke its maiden last time out. But you look at who this horse ran against last two times out, ran against Tarifa, who we saw win the Rachel Alexandra last time out, uh, the grade two. So, I mean, she's been running against really good company and even a horse, I think like Sicilian princess for William that's who I like, I'm uh, throwing her yeah. in the mix for sure. Yeah. At eight to one. I, I think that's a great horse. I mean, nice debut speed figure. And I actually love the, uh, all weather synthetic to off track angle. If, if sure. you tell me that it's going to be an off track, I love those synthetic horses going to an off track. So uh, that's one coming up from Turfway Park I'm really interested in. I think we have very similar approach in here. I'm going to try to beat 
Jody's Pride. Um, you mentioned Jin Jin, super logical, especially if you're someone trying to beat Jody's Pride. She makes just so much sense. That was a good effort last time out. Intricate is a super nice Philly. She came back and she has a she made a nice debut for twenty her first start of the year, and she'll be really sharp, a lot sharper making her second start back. She'll be uh, at the fairgrounds, I think, in the fairgrounds Oaks when we see her next, uh, just a couple weeks from now. So Jin Jin's in the mix for sure. Sicilian Princess though. That debut race on February the 14th, she was a step slow from the rail, but then she pushes up inside to fourth, and she's only sitting two lengths off at the very most. She's just behind the leaders. She waited. She moved through nicely, but the 8-5 to five favorite had already opened up that day. She ends up winning the battle for second. So I like that there were uh, a few horses around her, and she got game, and she won that battle. She's also a half to a nice horse named uh, Dreamlith who was a grade two winner. You can take a look at the formulator past performances right here. See Dreamlith won the career debut. They put in a grade one company a couple times, finished behind Echo Zulu and Julu's, uh, Juju's map, and then came back and won the golden rod. So a, a quality horse who showed some precocity and was just good early on. And Sicilian Princess is now moving from six and a half to a one-turn mile. That's not that, right? That's not going from five to a mile and an eighth. You know, right. that, yeah. that stretch out while you feel like, yeah, it's going from a sprint to a route. It's, it's not that big of a step up. And as you pointed out, Turfway, the synthetic surface there can be kind of tiring. I've also pointed out a few times, there's not any real science or math to this, but I guess a little bit based on the times of, of, of races, but just in general, you're not seeing like the monster efforts on um, synthetic surfaces and the speed figures are a little bit lower, right? So those races are a little less fast. They're not as quick early or quick internal fractions. So you don't get the the huge speed figures. So in that, in, my point in that is I think sometimes horses come out of maybe a turfway or a woodbine and their races might be a few points higher than what a speed figure would suggest just based on a surface when they move to dirt. I think there are a lot of little things to like about this horse. And if she's in the six to one or above range, it's probably pretty fair for her. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And the other thing to point out that I really like about her is that, you know, she can, she'll track the pace and there's going to be a significant amount of speed in this race. Cause you mm-hmm. would imagine regulatory risk is going to go from the inside rail. Yep. And then you can see princess Mayfair going AOV's magic is going to send uh, and Carmelina is going to send. Well, that's four horses in a seven horse race that are going to yep. want to go to the front. Yep. So I prefer to play that tracking trip, which has historically been the kind of right trip to have. Uh, at aqueduct in the one turn mile not a lot of gate to wire winners a lot more winners sitting just off the pace uh so that's why a horse like Jin Jin or sicilian princess i think are more intriguing because you can get uh i think a little bit better uh trip for them because of the way the pace scenario is going to potentially play out yeah they really could sit nicely just behind let it develop in front of them um maybe get the jump or try to force jody's pride a little bit wide um, if, yeah. if that's the case and yeah, you, you pointed them out, but you have two horses that are kind of similar to mention because they're just really sharp, really fast horses that have done it against a little softer company and they'll now step up. They'll get the acid test. The number five AOFI's magic who's undefeated. She's done all of her work over at parks. She's done most of it against Pennsylvania breads, but she did beat open company in, in one race and to the benefit of you know anyone that backs her, she does have multiple races on and off track. So if it is raining, that's definitely a plus for her. Carmelina 
kind of similar. Like you look through her whole form, it it makes sense overall. She didn't run well going long on the grass. Uh, the other four wins came in softer spots. And when she faced tougher at Saratoga, it was a little much for her, but super honest Phillies that they, you know, their connections figured not a big field. These horses have speed. So right off the bat, they can be in the mix. So you give them a shot and you, you take a swing here. Absolutely. And and I'll just say this about Carmelina. You know, Butch Reed brought up a horse that a lot of people didn't give a chance, Uncle Heavy, in the Withers, who ended up winning that race and is now pointed to the Wood Memorial. I mean, Butch Reed's always got good horses. And when he ships up from parks, they run honest. And, uh, you know, that, that I know sometimes people are skeptical about parks form that aqueduct. And I think it depends on the trainer. And, but when Butch brings his horses up, they run and uh, that horse is, you know, and, and to your point, it's a one turn mile. So these horses that are seven furlong, six and a half furlong horses, the configuration is going to be the same. Yes. I know technically it's a route, but the configuration, the way you're going to run this, the winning trips that it all replicates the type of efforts that you do in sprints most of the time. And so, you know, having a horse on the far outside, uh, you know, you keep Michael Sanchez aboard and, you know, that's a, a jockey who's ridden her before three times before uh, all of them have been victories uh, for Carmelina. And he's going to have the benefit of sitting that outside post and kind of judging the pace scenario and being able to slot her in where she needs to, but, uh, or just going to the front, you know, if, if maybe if some other don't break quite as sharp. So uh, I, I respect those connections, bringing horses up here and taking a shot and you might as well. And it's Carmelina too, speed figures wise, she's not overmatched. No, with, not at with all. some of her better better races. Aofi's magic needs to step it up a little bit, you know, on, on speed figures to compete with this group in uh, what's a very intriguing Kentucky Oaks points race to kick off an all stakes pick four. I'm with you, Matt. One, two, three, definitely on my tickets in pick yeah. four, in the pick four. And I'm gonna try to beat Jody, I think. Uh, I may throw in one more, but it'll at least be the three inside horses, I think. Um, in here. Okay. Yeah, no, I think so. And and that's, that's going to be the key is, you know, use a few horses to try to beat her. And I I think she's vulnerable in this spot and, you know, you don't get many four to five favors that are vulnerable, but from a pick four standpoint, you get past this one. Suddenly that ticket's going to pay a lot better because I'm I'm sure a lot of people are going to single a horse like her and try to spread in some other races, but you can beat a four to five favorite. You're going to cash a nice ticket. And you know what, where, where it's, it is. We just we can play this aggressively. Come back, you get knocked out. You play a pick three, and in with the way that Gotham could play out, you know, it still right. could be a, a nice exotic. So I'm always, and I know you are too, more in the play aggressively. You lose, you move on, and play again. Then hey, let's play it safe and use her and the other three along with her. That's just not ever the smart gambling maneuver, you know. No, to, yeah, to I, include I, I defensively in that situation. So. Uh, let's move to the second leg of the pick four sequence. This one is the stymie $150,000 up for grabs. This is a one turn mile for older horses. A couple horses in here that are kind of sharp, but they're just maybe right below graded stakes levels. Petulante is a graded stakes winner, but this is a horse who's making his first start since June. So they're being a little more cautious with him. He was actually supposed to run. Was it last week? Last week, yeah, against Last our boy week. Law Professor. Yeah, and uh, then they end up rerouting here. So Petulante, pretty tough to knock his overall form. And what's been nice about him in his more recent races, as he's gotten a little bit older, he's really shown that he can sit off the pace 
relax a little early if someone else wants to go and then move to the lead. And uh, he defeated some nice horses. Like Nimitz class is a really hard knocking type horse. Trademark has won some strong races. So super logical uh, contender in here makes a ton of sense. It's a good starting spot for him. Castle Chaos would have been a player in the Gulfstream Park Mile down at Gulfstream Park, which came up a little light this this year. Uh, but he's actually equally a top player in this race too. His his string of five races or six races in a row are all pretty good. They're tough to knock. And what you can kind of see in his form too, he had that long layoff to deal with. He showed some ability early in his career, long layoff to deal with. So just eliminate those races right in the middle from you know the last two races before he sent to a year break. He comes back and he just takes a couple races to kind of get going, but you see him run pretty much well from the entire time he comes back off the bench. And then he's just taken some nice steps forward in his last few. It wasn't even like he, uh, he only won on a muddy or a sloppy track. And that's why he has the big race or a big figure. He's been pretty consistent, different tracks. He went over to Gulfstream, now comes back to Aqueduct. He's, he's logical with his recent form. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're right. Those last three races in particular, I mean, 96, 94, 97 buyer speed figures, you know, his effort in the Fred uh, Hooper last time out to uh, Tumbarumba, really strong. And then, of course, you look two back at the Cigar Mile, you know, A, he handled a muddy sealed track, finished third in the Cigar Mile to a horse that we just saw win. Oh, I don't know, just the bit, expense, most uh, richest race in the world in Senior Buscador. Yeah. Um, so and, and even came back and run well. Like Senior Buscador is just nice. He ran second in the Pegasus. Oh, yeah. Right. His yeah. form overall, that third is very good. Yeah. And nobody was passing that day. That was that no. crazy track where nobody passed. And we've seen how many horses now finish out of that race and come back and run well. It's exactly what happened with him. He came back the next race and almost won the the Hooper. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, he answered the question, he can run off Lasix, because that was a little bit of a question going into the Cigar Mile. But, you know, he, those last two efforts are very legitimate. Like you said, he's done it over a fast track, muddy track, doesn't matter. Uh, he's handled the mud okay. Uh, I actually kind of prefer him over Petulante. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Bit. He's and pretty versatile too. With his, like, He can sit a little closer than, just because that last race looks like he was a little farther back, but he was kind of wide and in between. He's got a little positional speed, especially at a mile where yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him placed you know, third or fourth. And that's the one thing you notice with uh, – there's another horse I'm going to point this out on in just a minute with Dylan Davis at yep. what I've been so impressed with him because I don't watch it at the circuit every day as much, but when I do, and I, and now you watch every race every day over <laughs> in New York, but when I am, am watching, and then even when I haven't seen and I'm watching replays and handicapping for a day, how much he's able to get horses to show really good tactical speed and positional speed. And yep. even when he didn't win on this horse, a couple starts back, he put him in a really good spot. Yeah, Dylan, when Dylan rides more aggressively, he is so good. And it, it, it took him a little while of this meet, I think, to get his feet under him. But he's been really hot over the last month or so. Yep. Uh, and he's been just giving phenomenal rides on different horses. There's a horse in the next race coming up. I want to talk about the ride he gave on that horse next, last time out because it was really good. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's got that positional speed. The other thing to point out, Petulante trained by uh, Rick Dutro Jr., Dutro is a little cold, one, right? 
very cold. One for 27 at Aqueduct the last 28 days. So not particularly hot at all. And, you know, definitely something to keep in mind. And I'll mention Petulante was a vet scratch last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm a little concerned. We'll see how, you know, effective he is off the bench. He's run well off the bench before in his career. So, you know, he's been able to handle long layoffs. But at five to two, a short price. And is the case with a lot of these Dutro horses in this stretch you're looking at short prices under two to one bunch of these horses under four to one under two to one, you know, five to two, not even two to one in these horses, eight to five, a lot of shorter prices here in the last, you know, six weeks, two months where he hasn't had that great stretch. And this is again, going to be a short price horse coming into the barn for the first time, which has always been where they have success, but big plans maybe throughout the year, if this horse was a little short and ran second and then jumped up into a graded stakes race next time out, that wouldn't be all that surprising at all. Not at all. Not at all. And and I'll be honest, the other horse that I'm a little interested in, I don't know how you feel about this horse is the number four coastal mission. Um, This is a horse that's interesting to me. This horse, you know, ran at Charlestown basically all the time and came up here to the cigar mile. You mentioned the conditions that day broke from the inside rail, which is always tough didn't necessarily break great either. This horse usually breaks on top and just takes some gate to wire. Didn't really break their great, was a little bit behind, and then just didn't really finish out the, the the trip. But that was way above his head. This is a much more gettable field for this horse. Absolutely. Uh, and at nine to two, those are more he, reasonable odds. He so, has speed. He can yeah. sit. He's proven on us and he's proven on an off track. Yeah. Um, the races that I I went back and watched just because I wanted to see kind of how they developed were the races where he got in a little bit of trouble back in June at Charlestown because I did just like seeing that he can sit off the pace a little bit um, with the way that Charlestown seven furlong races are too. That will play out sometimes where you have to, you know, when you're sitting behind horses like that with the multiple turns. So Coastal Mission, the the two that I wanted to mention were him and uh, the three, Double Crown, right next door. Yeah. Who I yeah. think is just very honest overall. And Double Crown... And the unfortunate thing though, for him, he's not really one that you upgrade as much on a wet track. He's gotten, he has some okay races on it, but he's just noticeably better on a fast track than he is on a wet track overall on a fast track. He's been remarkably consistent and with his running style, it just makes sense that he doesn't quite win as much as he finishes second, you know, and third it doesn't mean he's not a winner or it doesn't mean he's a horse who, if he's close up, he's not going to win. It just means he's not fast early as some of the other horses. So he just doesn't get to dictate his own trip in a lot of these races. He needs some pace to run at. If he gets it here, you know, if, if we get kinetic sky, you know, having to show a little bit of positioning down inside, we're definitely going to get laughing boy. I think forwardly placed in here. Coastal mission is going to want to go. Um, and then it depends on what Petulante does from the outside those horses, if we get, you know, two to three of them forwardly placed, then it can open things up for him. I like him as a horse overall. I mm-hmm. it just may not be on the wet track with the way this race shapes up. Um, but you know, he he's not outclassed in here. I just don't know if all the conditions will be necessarily for him on Saturday. Yeah, he's a horse I took a real long look at, and you're right, really consistent and a nice horse. Uh, and, and one I really like and has kind of run well at this level, but you're right, has not handled the off track necessarily that well. 
uh, the last few times out. And, well, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, you know, weather forecasting is less predictable than handicapping. And so, yep. you know, it, it, we, we, you know, says 80 percent chance of rain on Saturday might be sunny. Who knows? Uh, but it's, uh, uh, I think from a handicapping standpoint, you're right. That's one, you know, if you're seeing a, a sealed track, that's certainly something to keep in mind. And one other thing I'll just mention before we go any further is, you know, in addition to, you know, taking to a sealed track or not, one thing to pay attention to at Aqueduct is the rail. So yeah. really when, when there is weather, it is so important. I encourage players watch those early races and see if the rail is either beneficial or a hindrance to horses. Um, and whether horses are just getting carried home on the rail or, or whether it looks like they're spinning their tires out in the middle of the track, because that can have a huge impact on this as well. Because at some point you also, and, and then also pay attention to which jockeys are adjusting to those conditions quicker than others. Uh, yeah. that, can, that can really be a nice way to catch a winner later in the card. And we're lucky because nowadays with social media, really smart people that follow these tracks and cover the races there like a Matt DeSantis, like a David Aragona <laughs> that are on Twitter and that let us know, Hey, keep an eye on this bias right now. It seems like the first four races, there's been no passing and all these horses have been within one path of the rail. Right. Exactly. And they'll let us know. And then, you, and then if maybe you weren't even really, you kind of had it on in the back, but just keep an eye on that now. And, um, and you know, pay attention because they will really help you. And, and if that's the case, take that into account when you're handicapping the late pick four, but you'll have plenty of sample size with those first six races on the card to see, uh, hopefully, you know, what the, what the track is playing like. Yep. Okay. That's a look at race number eight. Let's move to the second half of the pick four sequence as we have a couple graded stakes races coming up. First up, it's the grade three Tom fool six furlongs on the dirt. What makes this race pretty interesting is I feel like Super Chow, you know, it's seven to two, is very logical. I feel like Rotney probably a little short for wanting to play him at nine to five, but he comes off of a big win last time out and he lost a bold journey a couple times. He's been in really good form. So it's tough to knock his last real four or five races overall. But there's it's not as if anyone scares the heck out of you in this race. I think they're deserving right. like logical horses that are going to be the shortest prices in here, but nobody just terrifies you. No, not at all. I, I felt much the same way about this race. And, you know, I mentioned the Babe Gutro stat uh, last race. I'll mention the David Jacobson won this race. Jacobson, who was uh, just absolutely on fire to start 2024 is three for 35 the last 27 days. Uh, at Aqueduct. And so that's a barn that obviously has two entries here, mm -hmm. both stage left and uh, Durante and uh, or Durante, I should say, for, uh, named after good old boy Jimmy Durante. But, um, you know, both those horses uh, trained by David Jacobson. So that's something to keep in mind. This one yeah, it's interesting. I, we talked about Super Chow last time I was on with you and yep. we were both kind of a little not sure about Super Chow's chances. He ran really well. We got to walk the dog up front. He did exactly what we we kind of were hoping you wouldn't look how slow they went to the half yep. mile going seven furlongs that yeah. day. Yeah. And so he walked the dog and he got the distance and, and that was a great job by Maddie Oliver uh, Oliver. And it was her first graded stakes win. And that was a really cool moment. Uh, her dad was there and, and that was, it was very, very neat uh, to see. Um, but I'll be honest, a horse like Maniwa is really interesting to me in this spot. Um, he, he kind of feels <clears> like the classiest, like just the most proven 
horse of yeah. all of these horses that like at level uh, just at this type of a level a lot of these other horses are they're they're on the upswing or they're not quite as like stakes level horses he's not been a wind machine throughout his career but again no. that has to do with this running style it does and this race sets up for him because yep. unlike the last time out unlike in the toboggan there's a ton of speed in this race so this is why i don't like super chow in the spot no. uh because you have the number one downtown charlie brown who's going to show the number yep. two certainly is going to go uh, listen to your heart super yep. chow is going to go we yep. know rotney's going to go and Durante's going to yep. try to go though he's not been quite as fast in some of his recent starts um so there's going to be a lot of speed what i loved about what dylan davis did last time and, and now they they have a different rafael vasquez is up this time but what dylan did last time i thought was so smart which manny Juan normally is this deep closer Dylan knew exactly how the track was playing and mm -hmm. got that horse out sitting within a length and a half of the lead at first call. That's exactly what he needed to do. He gave that horse as good a chance to win as possible. And he finished second simply because he's running against the track in incredibly slow fractions. Now we're cutting back in distance. We're getting those fast fractions that are going to be set up in front. This sets up for a race potentially where Maniwa can make that run from off the pace like he normally does. And you're going to get eight to one now on the morning line. That's an honest price on that type of a horse, I think. Yeah. Um, Vasquez, I think you said, did you say Raphael? I think it was Ramon. It's Ramon. Oh, um, yeah. Ramon. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. With, with, I, just, I, I, saw I was thinking Rafael Hernandez went earlier. Yeah. Today. Well, and I was thinking because I was like, he, the one thing that you were going to point out, which the, the same point you were going for, is one that I realized watching him in Southern California. He's a really, really good speed rider. That's why he did so well at Oakland Park, too. And he does a really good job of just getting horses. That doesn't mean every horse. I'm not saying he's going to put Manuel on the lead. No, but he not. gets more speed out of horses than than they have. Or he puts yep. them into better spots. And that's what you're hoping with a horse like Manuel. And that's exactly what I'm hoping with the horse who I like in here, 24 Mamba. Yep. Who's just in really yep. good form. And that's the one that Dylan Davis goes to. And if you'll notice, he was a horse who, he was fine you know claiming like into allowance ranks but he wasn't he, he didn't have a lot of early speed and that would hurt him in a lot of his races where he was just too far back and he just would lose some uh focus early on and then the last couple races when dylan has been aboard he has shown so much better positional speed with this horse and he's just been a different horse it's not as if his numbers are so far above what some of his better races were before, but it just has, it just goes to show you when you're involved more in the race and you sit a better trip, what can happen. He gave himself so much less work to do in those races based on where he was placed. And now he's going to cut back a little bit to six furlongs. But as you pointed out with how this race shapes up, even if he is more like four to five lengths behind early, I think it could still set up pretty well for him. And I think right now he's in really nice form. So I'm going to use him in my pick four too, because I think he could get a really nice trip in here. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I think that makes all the sense in the world. A horse that has, you're right, flashed a little bit better speed. Dylan's done a great job with him the last couple of times out. And, and, he, and the thing about him is you usually get an honest price on this horse too. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you'll get a good price on him. And like I said, I, I just, I think this horse can, I mean, you know, he's only had two races over a wet track and those were really before he's kind of recaptured this recent form. So I wouldn't read too much into that. Um, 
And I, I yeah, he's a horse that I think at eight to one on the morning line. Yeah, I'd love it if he could get that price, even down to six to one. I think that's a good play. Um, and you're right, there's nobody in this race that really overwhelms you or scares you. So I think this is a leg where you can really take a little bit of a swing at a big price and and feel pretty good about maybe uh, you know leaving some of these other shorter price horses off your ticket. You kind of described it perfectly right off the bat. There are versions of this race where there might be five horses all trying to get really good early position. They could all compromise each other and three of them will likely be the three shortest prices in this race. Yeah, exactly. So that's right now, win or lose in this pick four, and we could be dead wrong in our analysis, but what's been fun about the first three races and how we've handicapped it is we feel like there's a vulnerable favorite in the first leg. And in this race, we feel like there could absolutely be a couple of prices as you and I are both pointing out horses that are eight to one on the morning line that could get really nice setups in here and win or lose. I like feeling this way going into a sequence instead of going, ah, you know, that favorite really does kind of stand out. Like I might try to use one other horse or, you know, you're kind of talking yourself into it. At, we we feel like there are really logical chances for you know some vulnerable favorites in this sequence in at least two of the first three races and then a wide open Gotham afterwards. Absolutely. Now, it's, like I said, it's a fun sequence. I hope people play it because um, it's it's one where you know it's funny. It's also one where you can take a shot. Like you said at the beginning, all right, you bust out of the pick four. We'll run it back in the pick three. You bust out of the pick three, run a daily double. Like yeah. it, you can get a price in this sequence. It's just about where it's going to hit, but you, you can absolutely get a price in the sequence uh, because yeah, these are anything but lock stock favorites. I mean, these are favorites that I think you can try to get around and try to beat. Uh, and, you know, from a, you know, from a speed figure perspective, a horse like Rotney, you know, last three races, 91, 90, 90. I mean, those aren't overwhelming numbers. And, and quite frankly, they're right in line with where everybody else is, uh, if not a little bit behind. So, you know, that's your nine to five favorite. I'll gladly play against that horse. And we'll hopefully be alive moving into race number 10, which is the grade three Gotham $300,000 up for grabs, a one turn mile and Kentucky Derby points on the line for these three-year-olds. And Brad Cox has a very strong hand in this one. As we look to four of the runners in this field, starting with the number six air cab, who is the longest shot of them. He was third in the Wingfield, well behind Bergen, who is another Brad Cox runner. He's really talented. When you just look at his overall form, it's tough to knock what he's done wrong. He has one poor performance. It wasn't even poor. He finished second that day. Uh, He's won his other two very, very nicely. Uh, Brad Cox has the five to two morning line favorite in just a touch who won by four and a half lengths in his or four and a quarter lengths in that Sloppy track debut on January the 27th, earned an 89 buyer speed figure, but he will have to stretch out from six furlongs to the mile. And then right next door is light line. He had a little sneaky trouble um, in the withers that shuffled him back, but he finished third in the grade three river withers as the favorite. So four Brad Cox runners just to start the conversation with here in the, uh, the Gotham, Matt. Yeah. I think the best value out of those is probably Bergen at nine to two. Yeah. Uh, that's a nice horse. Uh, that's a really nice horse. And, you know, you're right. You can't argue with that form. And the only time he lost was stretching out to a one turn mile in his second race. And he finished second that day, uh, to a horse called who day, who is back in training now at Turfway park, but that's a horse that's a perfect four for four. 
and that race produced the Southwest winner, Mystic Dan. Yep. Um, so, I mean, Bergen finished second that day, came back, won the Winkfield. I, you know, Cox might just think this is a sprinter and he's trying to kind of get him some, some derby points. Cause if you look at the pedigree underneath, it's a lot of sprint influence, mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where this is the perfect race form because it's a one turn mile. And this so, is yes, kind of the last short spot it is that you got yeah. right. And I'm glad yeah. you're hitting that because yeah. you can see it with a couple of these horses to where maybe they won't win the Derby, but it's a great stepping stone progression spot. If you think they might be able to let's put them in a spot where we know distance won't be the reason they get beat in this race. And that exactly. shouldn't be why this horse gets beat in this race. I don't think. It, exactly. And, uh, and so, you know, it's a one turn mile setup. You go from six to a mile. The horse already demonstrated he ran well at a mile. It was gaining ground at a mile, we should say. It wasn't like he was fading at a mile in a second start. He was making up ground. Uh, he also comes from off the pace, which I think is a really important thing to point out because there's going to be a lot of speed in oh, yeah. this race. And so I I like a horse coming from off the pace a little bit. And I think Bergen at nine to two provides some really nice value. Listen, just a touch. Did absolutely nothing wrong in debut. Handled an off track as well, which which is going to be useful uh, for what's taking place on Saturday from a weather perspective. But five to two in a thirteen horse field is sometimes a tough pill to swallow, um, especially when there is this many other runners. But you know those are those two Cox horses kind of stand out above the other two uh, pretty substantially, both from a morning line and I think just from an overall form uh, perspective. But there's some other really interesting horses in here. You know, a horse like Deterministic for Christoph Clement coming mm -hmm. back from a really long layoff. Um, that race was impressive. His debut race was yeah. really impressive, Deterministic. it And it shows that they're very confident putting him in a spot like this without even a prep race before it. Um, it, it so I wouldn't be shocked to see him run well in this race. It runs second or third, and then a horse yeah. that you play back in the wood or, you know, in, in the next prep somewhere. He... Yeah. Definitely has ability. The horse I wanted to mention, because I, I think you're right. I think Bergen and Just a Touch are the, they're the highest ceiling of the Cox horses in here. Right. If they yeah. were to show up with their best efforts and get their trips and run with their A game races, they'd probably be pretty tough. But I, I sort of feel like it sounds like you do. I prefer Bergen of the two yeah. of them, just with the way the race shapes up. I'm yeah. a little worried yeah. that yeah. Just a Touch could get caught up with that pace you were talking about with, I mean, just going inside to outside, you got Canante who will probably be forwardly placed in there. I'd imagine even with the blinkers coming off from the inside draw, you want to hold that position. You got Maximus Meridius stretching out here. Uh, you've got Facenda who's coming out of a five and a half furlong race and looks like a, a total long shot, but might just at least be part of the pace and be another pace rival up there to make things quick. El Grande O is going, he ran, too good to lose last time out. That was a oh. wicked beat. He looked like yeah. he was home free, and then Uncle Heavy nailed him right on the money. Uh, he will be forwardly placed in there. And then you've got Just a Touch, who is coming out of a six furlong race. He's drawn to the outside. He's going to have to be forwardly placed as to not get wide. Um, and then you got Slider, who's really quick too, coming in from yeah. Southern California. So that might be tough for Just a Touch. I like Bergen. I also like Capital Idea a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. the 13. I just the two races he ran, just pulling him together and watching the both of them debut. We have a nice start, sits a couple lengths off. He's in between horses. He's traveling well. He just has nowhere to go. He gets bumped. Things get really tight. Um, he closed well that day. He finished third, not even beaten the length. 
And then you get exactly what you're hoping for in the second start progression, stepping forward. And he won on a sloppy track, which could play very well on Saturday, but he ran well on a fast track in his debut and the progression makes sense. It wasn't as if it was an overwhelming jump up after a bad debut race to where I'm just thinking he's an only sloppy track horse either. He can sit nicely off the pace, but if he has to be a little farther back, he got a good trip last time out, but if he has to be a little farther back, I'm not too concerned with it either. I like him in this spot. He's definitely in the pick four for me, Matt. Yeah. And I I think that's, I like it as well. And I love the price at 12 to one. Uh, I think that's a, like I said, a really talented horse and uh, one that, you know, like you said, well, should just sit the right type of trip. The one thing I'll mention about a horse like Deterministic, uh, and, and it's interesting, I just talked to Acacia Clement about this, uh, and she said that Kristoff wanted to get Deterministic into a one-turn mile allowance race, but couldn't really find the right spot for him, and they ended up here. Cool. And and so it was something where it's like, I don't, it, to your point, like these horses aren't pointing towards the Gotham. They're pointing towards something bigger than this. Yep. And so I think a deterministic is a horse that could end up running well. I, I think the pace is going to really help him out. I think this horse has the ability to hit the board. Um, but is he going to, it seems like he's fully cranked. Uh, his workmate, Pandagate, actually just won a stakes race last week at Aqueduct. Uh, and he's been out working Pandagate. And so, you know, that's promising that he's ready to go. It's not to say he's not 100%, but coming off this long of a layoff, that could be a, just a pretty tall task. And I think next time out might be the race to, mm-hmm. you know, nap deterministic at a little bit of a price, stretching out and doing two turns for the first time. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting to see how those, uh, you know, every horse has a story in terms of how they got here. And yeah, I, I think Capital Idea 12 to 1 makes a ton of sense for Christoph. I, I think that one uh, is a good one. And you're right. El Grande is a horse that I, you know, I, I, I like a lot uh, because it's an aqueduct horse runs up here a lot for Linda Rice ran. You're right. Too good to lose last time and just got nabbed to the wire. I forgot um, how, how when until watching it back again, how, yeah. Oh, I was like, wow. El Grande loses this race. You know, it was one of those where yeah. you see it and then you're watching it. It's like this horse really loses this race. Oh yeah. Just really yeah. gets nailed right on the money. And, you know, you talk about a horse that can handle an off track. I mean, this is a horse that's mm-hmm. won, you know, it been in the exact of four out of five times on an off track. So, you know, it is a good horse. I actually like the cutback to a one turn mile. I think this horse ultimately is like probably one turn mile and seven yep. for a long type of horse. Third um, of the and form so, cycle too. So he could be yeah. ready to for one more little step forward up to right around where his best have been. High yeah. 80s, maybe even can you know have a cup of coffee with a 90 buyer if he uh yeah. if things go well for him yeah and i i think strictly underneath he's a horse that really does dig in though and you know he's yes. shown in the jerome and the withers that he can handle open stakes company uh and so i, I don't think this is too big of a task for him uh you know and, and the nice part was kendrick got him to it was a barely but kendrick at least got him to rate a little bit mm-hmm. uh last time out and, you know, not have to get all the way up on the lead. Uh, and so that's going to be, I think, important for uh, obviously for Saturday with all of the speed signed on in the race. But, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, for me, Bergen, top choice, just a touch, obviously very tough. Uh, you know, I like your ideas on Capital Idea quite a bit. And this is a horse that 
uh, you know, some of these horses are switching off Lasix, but you can say that about a lot of the horses in this field. Uh, and, you know, Kristoff has no problems with switching these horses off. And uh, this is one who knows the trip and knows the conditions. And I, I've seen you post uh, quite frequently, too, about McCarthy, someone who does really well with horses outrunning their odds. Oh, all the time. I Trevor, Trevor gets bombs onto the board more than any jockey I see. Uh, you know, that it's just some 49 to three, 49 to one horse runs up to for third. And you go, how the hell did this horse hit the board? Cause he was uh, trying looked, when a lot of others stopped. Exactly. No, he tries, he tries all the way to the wire. He works hard. And he and Kendrick, I would argue are the two jockeys on this circuit who adjust most quickly and Dylan, uh, probably as well, adjust most quickly to track conditions that they, after one or two races, they go, the rail's dead, get them off the rail. Or the rail's golden, get your horse on the rail at all costs. And and they just know how to ride this track on an off day. If it's going to be an off day, Trevor's going to know how to get this horse there by the last race of the card, that's for sure. Matty, uh, so appreciative of your time. I know you're a very busy man. You had an extra day of racing this week also there uh, in New York. And you're doing such great work over there. So it, it was a perfect role and a fit for you with what you had been doing and the way you have established yourself and a following and your credibility and just people really like you of the last few years on social media and what you did. It was such a perfect spot for you rolling right in there, man. And I, I'm sure they're really happy with the work you've done because you're crushing it over there. You bring a lot of attention to uh, NYRA and the racing there. And man, you're just, you, you respect racing. You love it. You always do your work. That's what I've always appreciated about you. You take it seriously because that's one thing I always, you never know who's listening. You never know who you could need to help. And you have helped a lot of people with the work you're putting in, man. Oh, well, I appreciate the kind words. And you're, it's funny. You're absolutely right about, you never know who's listening. And, and I remember when I was first starting out, um, you know, I got a message from somebody and I'm not going to name names, but like, I got a message from somebody who's like relatively prominent in the industry and I had like 400 followers on Twitter and they were like commenting on my show. And I'm like, oh, I guess I should really like assume people are listening to this. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you just, you never know who's listening. And, and, uh, and, and I would encourage people who are starting out, whether it's in horse racing or any profession, quite frankly, um, you know, that, yeah, you never know who's listening and always put forth your best effort, do your homework. Uh, and I think you and I are so similar and that we both like to show our notes. We like to show our work. Yes. Uh, we might not end up with the right answer, but you're always going to understand how we got to where we did. Uh, and I think that's that helpful. I, that's what I, that's part. when, I, why, and I'm sure that you, a lot of that is for you too. The reason why I do that is because that's what is helpful for me when I'm watching and listening other people um, talk about races or football or basketball and, and how I, learn every year more DVOA stats and EPA stats and different stats to use and how <laughs> yeah. I can, you know, and, and that's what now things like DRF formulator will give you, you know, the opportunity yeah. to find different ways to enhance your handicapping. What can I do that I wasn't doing a few months ago or uh, a couple years ago and always try to improve yourself a little bit more and more and more. Maddie, fun weekend coming up. And now with uh, Santa Anita pushing to Sunday, we'll really be looking at Gulfstream and Aqueduct firing away at both tracks that have really big days and really good cars. Uh, late pick four with all four stakes races. We will be following you at Failed to Menace. Uh, anything you want to mention or anything you want to plug that you got coming up in the next few days? 
Uh, obviously, just a ton of coverage on Naira Betts for all those races that you mentioned. Got a stakes preview of the Fountain of Youth, the Bataglia, uh, obviously the Gotham, but as well as the San Felipe and a bunch of the undercard races at Gulfstream as well, stakes previews for all of those. So just a lot of great content there. We got a great uh, Kentucky Derby promotion on Naira Bets as well. If you opt in, kind of a money back guarantee thing. So uh, make sure to check that out on Naira Bets. But yeah, always something. If you follow me, follow me on Twitter at Failed to Menace, you'll be able to catch it all. Folks, thanks so much for hanging out with us. If you're listening on the podcast, we have a lot more coverage coming of the different big days around the country. If you are watching the video on any social medias and you want some help with Gulfstream Park, Barry Spears joined me to look at races 7 through 14 on a huge stakes card at Gulfstream on Saturday. And then uh, later on Friday, I believe Angela Herman is going to join me to talk about Santa Anita on uh, their stakes races that have been moved to the Sunday card. So we'll get you all covered with the big races coming up this weekend. And hopefully we can get Matt back in a few weeks on the Wood Memorial Day to talk about another big day coming up in New York. Matty, buddy, thanks so much again, man. Uh, crush it this weekend. Good luck in all your plays. And we'll talk again real soon. Thanks so much, Gina. You too. Folks, we'll be back uh, with plenty more coming soon. Thanks for hanging out. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. that time again folks it's time to talk about everything in the world of pro wrestling AEW will talk about dynamite and they lead into revolution and sting's final match wwe coming off another huge week with the elimination chamber pay-per-view in perth we'll talk raw we'll talk smackdown we're on the road to wrestlemania the rock showing up on friday and koopaloop chad cooper joins me coop we Talked about WWE all on the last show, so we'll start with AEW on this episode because they do have a big event and one that um, is actually going to be pretty cool. And I think even for guys like you and me who have given AEW a hard time, we will definitely be sad to see someone like Sting go as he will have his final match coming up this weekend at Revolution at the pay-per-view and for a lot of things they haven't done great, I will say. They've treated Sting really well. And WWE, when when Vince was in charge, sometimes they would bring in legends. They wouldn't treat these guys well. Uh, so you could tell some of the guys and gals didn't even want to come back. Once that flipped and they gave them a little more respect, I think it's changed now. And um, I thought Sting has, has been handled really well. I love that they didn't try to do too much with him either, right? They didn't have him win the world title. And they didn't have him beating Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. He was pretty contained into a tag team for a lot of this run. And I will give them credit for this is the kind of stuff Tony does well. Um, I think he's a big wrestling fan. So he does have a reverence for a guy like Sting. And he's done a really good job just giving him respect on the way out. Yeah. Excuse me. Some of those, uh, you know, some of the things they've been able to do, um, they've done wrong. And we've. Been they've been criticized, which they deserve the criticism. But and we're gonna get you said, plenty here after this because I want to yeah, talk about and, and, like the big buzz with O'Shea Jackson and everything that's been going on there. Sure. But 
Um, sure, but, but but you're right. They they could have put a title, uh, a world title, or uh, their inner what is it, uh, their international championship, or they could have they could have done something with him um, that would not have been right and or safe. Now, I, I thought we were go- definitely going to go off the rails Wednesday night, dynamite to end the show. That poor Ric Flair. That that struggling. was. Anything involving now, Flair say, in this segment? Did it? Any, anything involving Flair in the story and stuff just wasn't necessary. Make, no, it, it's not. Now I understand their WCW stuff. And look that, again, that's the fan and Tony Khan. And while I do appreciate that, there's no need for it. It convolutes it. It was an awful segment. If Sting doesn't come from the Raptors, it's a total bomb. That was the, that, that was the part that, that definitely was, saved the program. It was super nostalgic. It got a pop. I will say I I was nervous about it for a moment, and you kind of felt like you were waiting for it. But when it happened, it still gave you a little bit of the oh man, sure. that was that was kind of a cool yeah. feel. I completely agree with the flare stuff. It just didn't feel it didn't feel necessary. Um, I I have you know conflicting you know thoughts about a lot of the the Sting Darby. And Young Bucks match because we'll we'll preview Revolution for AEW. That's the pay per view coming up, and as we do, we'll sort of talk about things that have happened on on Dynamite and over the last few weeks. So this match will be has to be the main event, I'd imagine. You know, unless I mean they've been they've been always putting the world title as the main event, so who knows? But I would imagine this is the match they're selling everything around. You've had the Young Bucks turn heel recently. I th- I think. Having a match where it's a heel versus a baby face and the fact that they made it more personal, I do think that's a positive. I'm I don't hate the Young Bucks characters here. I don't love them. They're they're just car, kind of cartoony. You know, they feel like themselves playing bad guys. But I I'm very curious to what they're going to do because I the the Wrestling fan in me thinks that Tony Khan is going to give Sting a win on his way out, but the business Sting's a an old school business guy. What you would do on the way out is you put somebody over on your way out, right? Because it doesn't do you any good to win a match and hold the title and retire with the title there, and then it kind of puts Darby in a in kind of a weird spot where he he has to go find a new partner or what? If they just relinquish the titles and have a new tournament. Sure, they could do that. How do you think this is going to play out for Sting's last match this weekend coming up? Uh, as a booker, I, you know, I, I'm torn here. You know, the Bucks really don't need to be put over. No. But, you know, we also, you know, what makes this interesting is them having the World Tag Team Championship. Now, you, we kept bringing this up on the WrestleMania side over, or the WWE side, especially for WrestleMania over the last six or seven months, does a certain person need to have a championship going into a match to make it that important? You know, we talked about, you know, Reigns not having the title or getting it off of Seth Rollins, what what have you. That same scenario probably fits well here. I don't, uh, of the importance of this match, if you look at the bullet points, I don't think the tag team championships mean anything in this sort of match. I thought Sting's final match would carry enough weight and not have the tag team titles. As your your question, I'm, you know, I'm torn. I'm with you. 
uh, Sting probably should win his last last match ever. But as you mentioned, um, he's a guy that that you know is from the '80s. Look, he was a part of the with with the Dingo Warrior Rock. It, and I'm not talking about Rocky Maivia. I'm talking about the Ultimate Warrior. I <laughs> saw the this tag team as a kid That's in so Mid South, and it's just you know. So he's old school. I mean, Sting's been around since the '80s, right? So putting someone over, putting the belts on someone. I don't know what the tag belts do to the Young Bucks. Maybe this is a, a we start over with the Young Bucks, new titles. But I I'm I'm booking Sting to go over here. But then again, if you do, you Darby's got to go find a new partner, and that doesn't make any sense, and neither does, well, wait a minute, Sting's retiring, why do I have to relinquish the titles? So, you know, I don't know. That's why I wouldn't, I don't want the, the AEW Tag Team Championships being involved in this type of match, because it really makes it hard for booking. And maybe that's why it is. Maybe they, they want to keep us guessing that way. They've not been doing very well with live ticket sales to a lot of their events, but they've done a really good job with this event, and they yeah. they promoted and, and it for a right while. Location too, sure. Great, and and that is what, as a fan, Tony does really well. He does respect the history of wrestling, and Vince has has been the opposite of that. Triple H is much more like that, and, and heck, we yeah. even yeah. you know. So I always want to give them credit for the things that I think they they do really well because I will. Uh, I'll give them a lot of credit for just the overall handling of Sting. The flare, as you mentioned, the flare stuff was so unneeded. And it was like, I'm glad they kind of at least got it out of the way and didn't have it in the match where it ended up having to be a like a part of the match or the reason why they won or lost. But Sting, Darby versus the Young Bucks going to be a big part of this one. And uh, we'll see if this ends up being the main event at a, a show they sold all these tickets for for Sting. Now, uh, before we kind of get into the rest of the pay-per-view, one thing that was floating around all through the last week was Ice Cube's son, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who's yeah. uh, an actor, and he's just – he's a cool dude. I, I I like him a lot because he's from L.A., so he's a big Laker fan, and he's a wrestling fan. So I see a lot of his social media posts. He's also in Obi-Wan – he's in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show, so he's now a part of Star Wars. He's just had a cool like Ice Cube son. He's been in some cool movies, uh, straight out of Compton. Um, you you know, look him up on IMDb. He he's you know done some really cool stuff. So what I like about that is one, the guy knows entertainment. He knows movies. He knows uh, yeah. TV. He knows the industry of of just what's successful. His dad's been you know. In movies and been a rapper and entertainer and host shows and this and that for years. So the guy's he's not stupid, right? He he knows what's going on, and he loves wrestling, loves pro wrestling, loves WWE, and he watches AEW. And he was interviewed by Chris Chris Van Vlay, right? Van Vlay, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and he was talking about AEW and some of the things he likes and and what he doesn't. And one of his uh, real comments that got picked up and has been all over the place is something that you and I talk about all the time. And <laughs> it's so funny to see how divisive a factual statement that he made was. There's nothing that he said that wasn't a fact. He said, right. All I'd like when I turn on AEW is if there's someone that's on their show, I wish they could tell me a little more about them. 
with the video package. Let me know why they're really important and just get me more interested in them instead of just, hey, here's this really good wrestler and they're going to have a match. And there's n- that's, there's, that's, that's totally logical. Why wouldn't you want to at least know more about it? In UFC, they do that with every fight. They show backstories for fighters. I don't even watch UFC, but I've seen some of those those pre-fight stuff. Those videos that everybody has. Some some people, they talk about how... Yeah, we got to sell a fight, you know? Right? We got to sell a fight at the end and, of the day, right? And you want to know about stories. You want to know about the people. Why, it's why should I like this person? Uh, Matt Coon, I don't know if... Do you know Matt Coon on, on social media who did who did the stuff with Conrad and... Um, the some of the podcasts he hosted, the one with FTR, he actually does music. Yeah, name. Yes, he, yeah, yeah, he does music, and he um he actually has created a lot of entrance themes for some uh wrestlers, like independent wrestlers, wrestlers a few in AW, and he does a lot of podcasts and stuff. Just super smart, knowledgeable wrestling fan, and he's a little older, a, a little older than me. I think he's more a little more your age. Just then that he's been. Around and a fan of wrestling for a long time, old, like old school wrestling. So he really knows his stuff. And he said the exact same thing. He said, it, you know, we, I think I was listening to him. He said, why would you tell someone to Google it? He said, okay, so I can Google it. I Google Commander. Does it tell me why I'm supposed to like him or why I'm supposed to f- care if he wins or loses? You know, the, that's <laughs> because. It, if you're a fan of wrestling, which I we all are, and when people say, "Oh, you want more story or character," you're an E drone or you're brainwashed or all these years of WWE. Well, no, I, I watch other wrestling too, and even TNA and territory stuff and New Japan, and but you know the re, you care about matches. The the matches you like the most are always matches that you care about, and you're invested in who wins. Who loses? You're rooting for someone, and or there's a for sure bad guy or and a for sure good guy, so you know the dynamic. And there's nothing wrong with with talk. Th- those are all facts. And AEW fans really don't like hearing that, and they try to make you feel stupid. You don't know this person? <laughs> Google them. Google it. But it's, it's but is if I'm, I'm not watching, trying to fix my washer, you know, but, you know, like uh, if I'm watching <laughs> Friends, they don't. They don't tell me to Google it. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a character that comes in from Seinfeld, and I'm supposed to just know that, like, George Hello, Costanza Newman. showed up on Friends. You know what I mean? Like, what is going on here? Like, you know, George is mad right now. Cat, Chad, George yeah. is angry. You know, it's like J- J- Jimmy's hurting. <laughs> you, you gotta introduce him, and and if and I'm saying that especially if it's someone who's only gonna come around for. One match or two, right? Yeah. If it's just someone, hey, this is this real cool match. This is like a legend from the CMLL. Show me that. Give me a reason to be excited about them. If it's someone that's going to be a big part of your show, okay, then maybe you don't need to have a bunch of stuff. If I'm going to see them every single week, that's the difference. People forget this is a weekly TV show. This isn't just wrestling indie program or – yeah, there's no off season to this. There's not, you know, no. where we can go catch up and and find things. I look, it's been, I I I think it's been, um, other than the too much programming, um, and then having to go to YouTube to see, you know, certain shows when AEW did that, 
I think our number one complaint has been uh, the storyline and a backstory was with some of this stuff. And look, WWE used to be really guilt, guilty of it. I mean, they all have, but I, I just don't see how much. I, I look, you've got a an open, and he said it himself. He's got an open, basically an open checking account, and you've got all these people on staff. I don't see how much extra work it would be. Look, there's there's too many of too many segments in wrestling today that you know on a weekly TV show that really don't mean a lot to us. And well, why did they show that? Well, you could definitely take that off and put it on your social media and put it on that exclusive to tell us a one minute thirty second. We're not asking for an hour of programming to. No, we're not stupid. We're not. I, I just that's been our biggest complaint. And it's good to see someone else of that stature come out and say that. But, man, he's been pummeled for it. But I'll and, give you credit. He, he, he didn't back down. And Booker T was like, he's exactly right. You know, every the, 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 the problem is whether or not you want that in your wrestling or you need that in your wrestling. Maybe plenty of people who watch AEW, they don't care about that. Or if they know these people already and they think it's a waste of time or – even if they're just defending it because they just want to defend AEW. Any of that, what whatever, that's fine. But it's never it's never a good idea to discourage fans who want to get into your product like that. He he this is a guy who wants to like AEW. You and I, we're critical. We watch AEW every week. We talk about it on a show and we promote it. We're critical of it, but we don't hate it. We don't want it to die. We want it to be better and more consistent and we know that it can be and we like a lot of the talent that they have and we wish they could be in a spot that was a little bit better again i'm, I'm why I, I wanted to point some of these things out because there are this is something that you and i have said for a while and i know some people have given you and i crap about it but it, it is really good to see other people saying the same things because it's not something that we ever said trying to be mean or, or we just don't understand no. AEW, or we just hate it, or we're just trying to dump on it. No, not at all. Again, I'm going to point out what Matt Coon said. He, he, lo- he, this guy hosted a podcast with, uh, with FTR. He hosted the podcast with Regal and, and did some of them. So he was talking about the Blackpool Combat Club, and he said in like no f- lesser words that, that was one of the worst ideas they've ever had in AEW was putting those guys together. And it, it's not because they've ever had bad matches. It's not because the it's not cool when the three of them come out. But how little he said the how little of an impact those three guys have together instead of separating Brian Danielson, Claudio, and Moxley and have having yeah. them be guys that could have been Top of the card in feuds should have almost always been around the t- the world title, and Moxley has been a lot. And Brian Danielson, a lot of it comes down to he doesn't want to be. He would rather be on c- Collision, wrestling against a lot of these guys from New Japan. I think that was one of the reasons why he chose coming to AEW, and he knew he was going to be able to get a lot of freedom in doing this stuff, and that's great for him. But that is one of those things that you have to weigh. When you are running yeah. a business, right? Yeah. What's best for your business and what's best for Brian Danielson? Because, dude, he can't 
help that he's a super over wrestler and it just didn't ever feel like, especially in the last six months to a year, that he's been as big a part as he should of this show. It definitely it definitely hasn't felt that way, has it? No. Him, Claudio, oh. Claudio's like because the prop you put the three of them together and and all Claudio is is the third guy in that group. Third guy. Yeah, it was the same Wednesday night in that six man tag, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you can count. We brought up Claudio a couple of weeks ago. You can count on your hand the number of times he's had a meaningful moment since. Oh, cut a promo. Cut a promo. Yeah. How many yeah. promos it, it, have you heard him even cut? And that's all of these. And that's what it's how everybody's being used. I think sometimes it all comes down to. Tony's a little too nice of a guy with how he runs his company to all the people around him. I think he he likes being the friend of everyone. We he watched yeah. all these people wrestle. Heck, it, that's got to be hard, right? Can you imagine you watched all these guys and gals wrestle? You've been huge fans of them. They work for you now, <laughs> and now you got to go and tell them what to do. Them. And they're like, ah, you know what? I'm gonna do it this way. <laughs> what are you gonna do? You're gonna be like, oh, okay, Jericho. Yep, you're right. Go, absolutely. <laughs> you're not gonna go. Hey, Chris. You know what? Nah, buddy. You're. Yeah. I don't. I'm not. And I'm not sure. I don't know that. But I'm saying. Yeah, me neither. It seems that way in what we watch. Seems logical. Yeah. And yeah, and you hear that when we read things, and that's why, man. If a guy like Brian Danielson should have been more. And on this card, Brian Danielson has a one-on-one with a guy, Eddie Kingston, who wrote an article in the. In the Players Tribune, was that like two years ago, three years ago? That article was, I think it was close around the pandemic, right? Yeah, when, yeah. when he was talking about all of his struggles that he's had and mental health issues and everything. And Eddie Kingston rem- was almost like a Brian Danielson, LA Knight character in WWE, how organic the fans were behind him. People were rooting for him. People wanted really good from him. And they let him win this tournament. They put the Continental Championship on him. Has it felt like he's done anything more since that? Or has it ever felt like they've ever really gone with him? Or gotten the, the real best out of him? Like, for that for that run. You know, they caught, they haven't ever... That Those are the things that I, I, I'm, I'm curious about. And they've, they've got a big opportunity starting this year, Chad. And, and on this show... They can do some big things with a couple wrestlers like Will Osprey and Deanna Perrazzo, who are on this show. They're new. They've been handled pretty well so far. Osprey's a star. I mean, Osprey's one of the few guys that, like, right off the bat, he comes off like a star. But I don't really care all that much about this feud with him. It was kind of quick. So that's another thing that they have to be careful here. They don't want to make him just another guy. They want to make you care that he wins matches and put him in matches for sure against guys that they're going to boo, right? So that way everybody cheers him. And within a month or two, everybody's cheering. He's incredible in ring. He's gotten better at promos. They got to get, I think they have a chance with this guy to turn him into a real star. We can't look in a month, Chad, and Will Osprey, he can't be Jay White. Jay Lethal? Bang, or, bang. Jay White. Yeah, Jay that, White. Yeah. They're both thinking the same thing, right? In the Bang Bang Scissor yeah. game? As soon as, as soon as you started talking about Will Osprey, the first thing I thought of was 
Jay White. Jay White, who is now scissoring people. That's what we have gotten with Jay White. In but one of a group of six. He's just one of six in the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Yeah. And that that's just such a it just feels like we're putting people in in wrong roles and we're just not getting the best out of all of them. And it's it's the opposite of what Paul Heyman used to do in ECW. He didn't have a whole lot of talent. He didn't have the biggest, or the fastest, or the strongest, or the best looking, but he would find something in everyone and he would highlight their best. That was where Austin went and learned promos when he was hurt after WCW for a while. He went to ECW and he really learned how to cut promos there. Mick Foley did the same thing. He went to ECW, learned to cut promos. All of a sudden, these guys. They find something in themselves that they didn't even really know was there because Heyman finds it and he gets the best out of them. And now all of a sudden you've got Brian Danielson, who's one of the greatest baby faces in the world. You could have built so many things around him, but you have him wrestling as a heel a lot of the time. And a lot of the time you don't even have him on your number one program when he's probably the most recognizable face you have. So is he going over Saturday or this weekend against Eddie Kingston? This is see. This is the point of his career where he told us he's going to retire in, in like July, August. I think he shouldn't be winning this match if that's the case. But for the company, Brian Danielson should absolutely win almost all of his matches and then put over just the tip top guy that you want to be the next star. Because if he's losing all the time, then it's not putting a bunch of people over. So <laughs> I think this will be a good match. Eddie should win this match. And we briefly, I, you know, we talked about Claudio and Moxley. They have a match, Coop, against FTR. That'll be incredible. The match will be amazing. But I don't really care who wins or loses. I don't think it matters. Right? And I mean, when is the last time FTR has won on TV at all? So I don't expect them to win this weekend. And they felt in the matches that they've had set up against Blackpool Combat Club and singles matches and in others, they felt... A little cut below like they're not quite yeah. On the level of these guys uh, Osprey Takeshita we got through that one Kingston Danielson we talked about that one Sting Darby Young Bucks we hit That one the Orange Cassidy Versus Roderick Strong They Have they just dropped the Cole And MJF and all of that It's like they almost dropped all the The devil stuff the devil well, was A bust it was a mess it was bust. such a bust Which is the right thing well, to do bad Because it, it, you know you know I think the worst Part about it was because it was leaked, and who knows if this was going to happen, but let's just say, yeah. So it was leaked that Vince McMahon had the idea of Adam Page being a manager. Cole being a well, manager, yeah. That's what he's been having to do in AEW because he stays hurt. And, and look, that that is, he's, there's a couple of people that have been snake bit when they coming over here to AEW. He's one of them. He is. But he's been just, unlucky. Punk was unlucky too. He, they've been recently, and I don't. You know what, Gino? Though, let's go back to the debut of Adam Cole, which was a great debut. But something has just felt off since then, though. Too. I I agree. There's just two. Uh, the e cl- Elite Club. There's this, and there's Hangman, <laughs> but there's MJF, and it's just been again convoluted. You have to follow a lot of stuff for one person, and I don't want to do that because I'm lazy when it comes to TV shows. I just am. Orange Cassidy versus Roderick Strong. This is the one they've been building for a while. It it would make sense for Roderick to win this with the way they built that group. But yeah, I'm 
they seem kind of down on that and they've almost yeah in, in a positive way they've I think Wardlow's had a good few weeks. He had a good promo a couple weeks ago, which was one of his better sort of kind of fired up and uh, promos. And this is a guy they have dropped the ball on uh, many, many times. He was supposed to be in a meat madness match, Chad. Okay. Uh, (laughs) There was apparently an injury or two to uh, one of the meaty men. So we no longer have... Uh, a Mr. Meat Madness match. We will now be having an all-star scramble with Jericho, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Lance Archer, Hook, Brian Cage. Two more will be announced based on their matches on the uh, on Rampage. And, yeah, and we already know, unfortunately, yeah. it's all been spoiled. But yeah, go uh, ahead. What, tell us who's going to be in there. Uh, Magnus and Dante Martin. Yep. Are, are, so, are the other two. So here's my thing, though. He announces this on social media yesterday. It's the first time I've heard anything about Meat Madness. I <laughs> had no idea. I'm like, okay. Because John Cena's account was hacked earlier this week, and there was a bunch of OnlyFans stuff on there. So I, I thought, okay, wait a minute. Has he been hacked? And the more I read it, and I'm like, maybe not. But am I out of the AEW loop? And then you talk about injuries. Well, most of these guys have been injured that's in this match. You know, uh, no offense. And I'm not I'm not being ugly here. But who are the all-stars in this scramble? There's one, well, two, Jericho, three, four, since five, everything. Six, seven. Yeah. And since everything that's, that's happened with the negative publicity Jericho got recently, he's been cold on TV. We haven't, you know, he's not been as major of a character. We... Powerhouse Hobbs and Lance Harcher are two of the bigger start stop. We'll see them for like two weeks. It'll all of a sudden th- feel like they're going to be a big part of the show. And then they're just gone. And Hook, they've done better with recently. They put him in that match with Joe, made him look really strong. But like always, they just have a tough time with the follow-up. At least he's still now yeah. in the spectrum, and that wasn't that long. Mix, sure. So they didn't completely drop him off. But we see th- that's what that's what I want is hook is one pick 15, 20 characters like a TV show it would have, right? Like a season of a TV show, and you're gonna have other people coming in and out. Some tag teams here and there. You'll have some others. But uh, I want those 15 or 20 people to have a story. We know them. We know if they're a good guy or a bad guy. We ha- we just know more about them. And I want to see those people every week on Dynamite for six months in a row. That one week they win a match. The next week they lose. The next couple weeks they're building to their next feud. One week they have a vignette. But I want to see them consistently. I always see Cody on Monday. I always see Seth Rollins. And it's not just those guys. I always see Chad Gable. I always see Nakamura. And Nakamura loses to Sami Zayn. Then the next week he's going after Cody Rhodes. I know their trajectory. It stays consistent. And then I just understand their character more. All of a sudden, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson's on Dynamite the other day. I didn't see him in six weeks. He'd been on Collision. And I will have Collision on in the background sometimes. Other weeks, I don't even watch it at all. And I'll read some sport. I'll read the reviews. 
most it, I never I don't think I've watched one episode of it live. Maybe the first or second one. No. They had when they yeah. had right off the bat because we were kind of curious what it was going to oh, be like. Sure. But sure. As soon as football season, I never live at all. So I'm not. And and then they don't even do. Hey, here's this storyline. Give me the 30 second little video package about these guys on collision. They'll occasionally do that. That has to be every time. You, those 15 or 20 characters, I have to always know what's going on. I know when I'm watching Friends that Ross is just got fired, or Ross, you know, is looking for a new apartment. And while that's happening, Monica just broke up with, you know, her boyfriend, and Rachel is dealing with stuff with her mom. You know, like we know what everybody's got going on. It, it, there's too often on a TV show where I don't know what these characters are doing. And that I think where the big dis- discrepancy is, and I think the disconnect is with people like you and me and the others who will say, oh, I'm just a wrestling fan. Because if that's the case, do you do you watch like Greco-Roman? I mean, I, I wrestled growing up. My dad wrestled. Are, why don't you, are you watching like Iowa versus Penn State? You know, like Dan Gable, because that's wrestling too. If you're a, if you're a wrestling fan, aren't you just watching that? That's where I kind of get, I kind of always laugh when they're, you're not a wrestling fan. Well, so you're, you know, so, um, Google it, Gina. Now look, now look, they, they, they put a stipulation on this all-star scramble. The, the, the all, whoever wins will get a future AEW world championship match. That's the best, you know, when they don't have when they don't have anything to do for a particular match or they feel like they need to add. So it's going to make it that more important. So somebody in this match is basically going to become your number one contender. And I'm looking at this list. You know, Wardlow cuts that promo last week, the previous Wednesday. If he doesn't win, this is horrible. It doesn't make any sense. He has to. Yeah, so what, what I'm saying is Jericho, no. Powerhouse Hobbs, no. Lance Archer, he's rarely even on there. Hook, no. Been there, done that. Brian Cage, no. no. Magnus, Dante Martin, you want them to be your – I'm not saying you're, they're going to become the number one contender, but you're giving them a world title match. So it this pretty is, much got to be more. I think Osprey – even though I think Osprey has to be – you talk about people that you bring in and that leads us to – you know, the women's match, Deanna, and you got to you got to put them right. I don't I, I wouldn't wait around for Osprey and let him have I, I, I put him in the in in a top spot here pretty quick. I, you know, after you, I think weekend. you want him for the world title by Wembley, either for yeah. battling for it or having it by yes. the time they go to yes. Wembley. And that's not and getting that to win it if right. I have it already. Yes. By then he's in that match for the main event for the championship at on that show. And I think that's the way you want to do it. That's what I would probably do. And he wins it there. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. This is a no brainer. Uh, they Absolutely. can't fumble this. Hands down. But... This guy can't lose. You got to give him momentum and just let him be white meat. He's not white meat with the, the way he's going to cut promos and stuff. He'll be a little funny and edgy and, but just let him be a baby face, book him against the heels and just have him go over strong. This guy don't mess him up. He, I think he's even more hard to mess up than Okada because sometimes yeah. it can be difficult when you have the, you know, when you have the, the, some of the foreign competitors who cannot cut promos as well. Osprey won't have that problem. Um, Okada, who has a, an aura to him, he will have, you know, they'll have to figure out his presentation a little bit more than when he's been in AEW before where it was just, Hey, this great wrestler, because he can't 
just be that. They have to have something more ready for him. So Osprey, that could be a real positive for them moving forward. Um, and Wardlow too. Wardlow, we got him out of this Devils group, Devils rejects, whatever they were called, whatever. Have um, him look strong right now. Don't yeah, do this again to him. Gotta, he's got to roll through this match. The uh, t- women, timeless the women. Tony and uh, and Diana. Yep. Th- um, so it's been. I want to say this, you know, about this, and I've said it the last several weeks since Diana has been brought up. They've done the right thing. The Tony Storm gimmick has just been absolutely amazing. We praised them two weeks ago about how the story was told about Diana and Tony in Japan, the matching tattoos. This is great. And then last night, Wednesday night, whenever whenever you're having a chance to listen to this, we neither one of them are on here. I don't at all. Make, it felt like the we feud got a match was graphic. Right. Now look, we got a match graphic. But why Come not? On. This was one of the better things they'd had going for a while. Then they had the match where Deanna and Madison, for some reason, had oh, it was, was bad. It was it was it's zero rough. chemistry. It, it just um, I, it was very kind it of slow going through the motions. Yeah, the crowd wasn't yeah, crowd wasn't into it, and it was it was tough to watch. And that's a bummer because they've done a great job so far with Deanna, and they they've done a yes. real good job with with Tony as of late. So. We hear that Mercedes should be coming in sometime soon. Also, a couple weeks. Yeah. What do so you want to week after you, next? You want to have this division strong um, for her to come on in and and hopefully be in the mix with one of these two. And yeah, I think you see Tony losing the title. I I know they like the character. I I feel like this should extend. Maybe there's a Mariah May. Ends in a Walkie? DQ. Luther they don't do. They don't do DQ stuff. But this actually yeah. would be a match that would make sense to have some sort of a DQ extended a little bit more, and then you could maybe have Diana get the win, and then Sasha yeah. come out, you know, if, show if, up, Mercedes show she up. She loses if if Diana gets pinned, Gino. Oh, uh, that's that. You can't do that. She can't just lose clean we, and we be can't done. Do that. They no, can't, can't do, do this that because then. Then She's it, Ruby. That does, yeah, we, we we've already seen that multiple times here in AEW. So unless Deanna wins it, um, I, I agree. I think this needs to extend because it's been very very good programming on Dynamite every Wednesday. Christian versus Daniel Garcia. I don't. This is weird. I don't really <laughs> care that much about the match, but I do think individually, Christian's done good work. I, you know, he's great as a heel. I, I've never thought that he needed this whole presentation with Wayne and the mom around him. I actually wait I a minute. Like, you didn't, Gino. You didn't like Nick Wayne's T-shirt Wednesday night. It says Christian is my real father. Jeez. And <laughs> and uh, and so I actually weird. think in a in a kind of roundabout way, they did a pretty good job with Daniel Garcia because when he came up. He was just the technical wrestler who had no personality. And then they had him do the dancing sh- gimmick shtick, which made him goofy. But he's, but now he's kind of a full circle. Now he's a little more fleshed out, but he's able to go back to being a wrestler, but he's got a little personality. So overall, he's a, f- he's a more real character now than he was before. Um, I think this probably just keeps with Christian here. And how about Copeland not yeah. even on this kind of a show, right? Well, I was just going to ask, is he hurt? Because I, I haven't seen Copeland in a couple of weeks. 
No. Um, I he's, think there he's was, not even. I think there was a run in or two, and they jumped him again, maybe. But I, again, you talk about a, somebody that's flat. That I mean, you brought him right in, and we went straight to to Copeland Christian. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know, man. Now, but yeah, Christian the, retains here. Main event: Samoa Joe Hangman Swerve. They did pretty much the uh, the double turn the other night on uh, on Wednesday on Dynamite where they had Hangman fake like he was injured, and Swerve was actually showing him a little bit of respect. And then at the end, Hangman hits him with the crutches. We're gonna have a triple threat coming up this weekend. So heel Hangman, <laughs> it's Man. it's Swerve's time. I I think for the story. A heel hangman winning it would actually be I would I it makes it would make sense to me, but then we'd need another like we've had so much swerve and hangman recently. I don't know. They're they're always great matches, but I don't know if we need another one or two singles matches from those guys coming up right now. So I'm gonna say that everything cancels out and Joe still has it. Yeah, I'm going with that lame answer too. Um yeah. I, you know, Paige Hangman just saying the other night, you know, as he, he's knocked Swerve consciousness, consciousness, um, that he's going to do everything he can. He's going to make sure that Swerve is never the AEW world champion. I think Joe retains here. I don't, I haven't liked this Joe run as the champion. Um, I think that, I mean, if you're going to let me book it, Swerve needs to be the champion. I mean, Let's, Swerve, I've, Osprey, and Wembley would just be, you want to get, even more of my eyes and some mainstream wrestling fans. I, I, I that's that's what I would take. But man, this is just it's it, it's less than Samoa Joe's title run because the more intriguing part of this has been Hangman's swerve. And when of see, the three, when at some point do we get MJF? Sure, healthy, healthy from whenever. Yeah. I no no idea how long he was out. He shows up, mad at Samoa Joe, mad at Cole. You know, who knows how long they're going to hold him out or what they'll do there. But that's a look at AEW. Spent a few extra minutes on AEW this week. Let's get on over to WWE. We're coming off Elimination Chamber. Uh, Chad Cooper, in his old age, was not up as I was uh, <laughs> oh, live. Well, I was uh, struggling. As live watching Elimination Chamber. <laughs> uh, and I was laughing and I was loving it. And I will say, everything on the show was predictable. There was nothing that was super... We, we didn't see coming, but that atmosphere and WWE is on such a roll right now. They didn't have Roman or The Rock on there. They didn't have either world title defended on there for the men. They didn't have, you know, Cody or uh, Rollins wrestling matches on there. They were in a segment. Didn't feel like they were missing anyone or anything at all. They went humming all the way through. No bad matches on the show, and you know, coming off of the opening match, the, the one thing, if you asked anyone to tell you what really stood out the most uh, about Elimination Chamber Perth, and if, it, if you weren't talking about how it felt, what it looked like, the, the spectacle was incredible, like the view, the way it was lit up, eh, everything was amazing, it was Tiffy time, Chad Cooper. Yeah. It, was yeah. Tiffy freaking time. Tiffany Stratton had a coming out party. She was not ready for the crowd to be so behind her. 
She said it. Yeah. I, I did you did, did I think we shared or you shared it with me or maybe I shared it with you the clip of her talking about how she didn't. She, you, yeah. I, you know, I've only been on the main roster for a few weeks. I didn't know that in Australia they knew me at all. I haven't been over here before. And then at the press conference, they were chanting Tiffy time. And she <laughs> was really surprised. She didn't, she couldn't believe it. Cause especially cause her character is a, a full heel, right? It wasn't like she's got this baby face turn coming, but in that little moment that wasn't even on WWE TV or anything. It was like a, an interview that somebody had with her on social media. I just, I'd never seen her kind of like that. And that little clip, I was like, wow, she's going to be a huge baby face. It's it's not far off. You talk about a quick success story. Again, we always judge um, these NXT call-ups by past NXT call-ups. And there's been a lot that just were not good. And there's still some that haven't been good at all. Um, But this, what she's done in a short amount of time and not have a, an indie wrestling background, so to speak, uh, this, when it works, it works, man. And she is spectacular. She is going to be, uh, look, if you're already going over in Australia and you've only been on the main roster for two weeks and you're on the other side of the earth, you're, you're not, you know, you're not European. You're not from, uh, you know, Spain, France, the UK, you're not from Japan, you know, she's from over here. She doesn't have any of that in her background going over there and working any of those type of sites. You know, a lot of those fans on the other side of the earth, as Michael Cole says, it's hotter than hell down here below the equator. Um, <laughs> a lot of them are not known. Look how many people we don't know from New Japan or we don't know that's being brought in to AEW. It just shows you, honestly, and, and I'm not trying to just pile it on, but it shows you the power of wwe it just it really does and for somebody like that um i mean this was basically her debut uh this was a ple and it could not have gone better and for everything of course there's always the uh, some naysayers but everything i've seen read looked at watched everything said she was the star coming out of wwe elimination chamber this year the Two minutes when she comes out of the pod, the chamber, when it's like her her uh, numbers up and she comes running out and it's just like she got the hot tag house of fire. She goes boom, boom, all over, flying, top rope here, there. And she was running. The, her speed was so fast. She had that extra bounce because of the crowd. Because yeah, of what sure. the crowd had done to her, you know, the last couple of days, and she was excited, and the crowd's going at it. And what I really liked about what the crowd did, when she gets pinned, they boo, and she and they're booing, and 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 Liv did a great job of like playing heel for a minute, you know, Liv, who nobody thought would be getting booed, they're booing Liv, and Liv starts like doing the tears to the crowd, and Tiffy leaves, and then after Tiffy leaves. They didn't try to hijack the match and go bring back Tiffy or anything like that. They gave her her <laughs> respect, and then they watched the rest of the match, and then they cheered and booed for the rest, which is how it's supposed to be. Which I mean, like yeah. that's I like that they they had their favorite. She lost, okay, but nobody Tiffany's not the baby face, and we nobody thought she was supposed to win that match, right? So that wasn't like 
you know, Brian Danielson not winning a match, getting ready for WrestleMania. That was just the fans getting behind someone. And it, it was it was a cool, cool moment. And where we sit now, Chad, so coming out of uh, Elimination Chamber, we had the women's match with Becky get the win. I thought all the women looked really good in the match, too, individually. Uh, poor Raquel has been dealing with some, like, skin cell um, really, yeah. really serious um, issue for a while, and it flared up on her way over to Australia. And you could see physically she looked a little different. Like her face and everything sure. you could see. And so she's dealing with this incredible like, like physical issue. She's uncomfortable. And she has to go in there and she's the base for the match. She's the only big girl in there that they're, she's got to throw everyone around. She's got to be the safe worker to make sure when everyone's jumping off, she's catching them. They're, you know, her, jump like head scissors off of her. And th- that's not an easy spot. That's, I think that's why they made the move kind of watching the match, why we didn't see someone like Jade in there because they needed someone like a Raquel who was really safe, really sturdy, someone who they knew they could trust. And she looked strong. She looked like a powerhouse. I thought individually, all of the ladies did a great job. I, I personally liked the women's match more than I did the men's. Oh, for sure. And I like the way, that I think we're getting to live hill turn out of this, especially after Monday night on Raw. It was you great. Know, and it's, doesn't it's it feel like I think she needs all of the players coming out of both the men and the women's chambers? They they all have a story now moving forward. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think yeah. so it looks like we're getting Becky and um Rhea at WrestleMania. Naya loses to Rhea, but then Naya is pissed off. And Nia and Liv are having a match on Monday Night Raw. Um, Nia attacks Becky. Becky come back and, and attacks Nia. So I love how they're kind of keeping this in, all involved, too. They make it seem like Liv and Nia are still not far from being right in the mix with Becky and, uh, yeah. you know, and with Becky and Rhea. And, I, and, and look, the what you would say in real life gimmick from Gino. Liv. Liv did after the match. It was the DQ. It was perfect. Becky, I knew you were going to go there with that. About, Becky, not everything is about you. It was perfect. And that's exactly what, they, because what I, she's. Because exactly. I just made a comment to you earlier that night. I was like, man, just something is. I'm just not into Liv as much anymore. And she's done nothing wrong. It's just, it's a cool off. Something needs to happen. And what happens after the match? I think we're getting a legit heel turn. I think it's going to be it, it's going to be really good to see her uh, thrive in that because I think she can. Yeah, look, I know she's popular you know um, and sells the T-shirts, but man, it, it's see, we're getting the reverse. Bailey's face, Liv turning heel. I think this is great. Somebody um, pointed this out. I can't remember where, and I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. They said she could do like a Drew McIntyre thing, Why you know. Not? Like the be the heel that's just telling the truth, you know. And what what did she say the other day that wasn't true? Becky, this isn't about you. I was in the middle of a match. I was actually I had the advantage there about Naya. You couldn't wait till after. What the hell, you know? I love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. That was just yeah. spot on. So now it feels like coming out of this match, we're I think I think we're getting Bianca and Tiffany at Mania. That, that you talk about stealing a stealing a night, 
you know, we always talk about those match stealers that, that aren't main events or have a title uh, involved. Uh, you talk about a match that can go. I would love to see those two ladies go at it. That could even be fantastic. end of the match. Bianca wins, shakes Tiffany's hand, gives her a hug. Sure. You're so impressive, you know, and then that could even be the start of the babyface turn for Tiffany moving forward sure. and moving on. She could be someone that I could see them thinking could beat Rhea if it's not hey, Becky just right now. last month. She was cleaning out stalls on NXT Gina. with Henley, you know, with Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is great. And now I think that's the that would be the, the best use for the ladies. If you have Becky Rhea, you can go Bianca Tiffany. And with Nia, God, we got to give her a lot of credit, Chad. She this was for the last I, six I months. Have. Oh yeah, best best run that Nia Jax has ever had. And coming 100% in, agree. We it's an eh. I was hard on her. Her end of WWE was not good. And let's be fair. No, she she was unsafe in the ring sometimes. She was she. And I her, think she took it personal though. I think she hmm? took everything personal during her time off, and she could have signed with someone else. She could have let something go. She could have went to Impact. She could have went to AEW. What's going to change? Now, probably not much, but she took time to do some changes. She got herself in shape, and look how much better she's been on the mic and in the ring. She you really know, leaned just, into being a heel, too, yes. and, and being the big, imposing heel, playing her role. She's done a fantastic job, and she deserves a WrestleMania match, and she deserves 100%. the match against, uh, against uh, Jade Cargill. And that I, I hope yes. that's where they go because you can have Jade beat her, and then wow, you have what I'm picturing happening. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, you're talking about the heel turn. Maybe there's something where it's like Nia. We're probably going to get a Nia. We're getting Nia Becky, right? I feel like between like, as a match, one hundred percent. So that's coming. Yeah. Could you see something like at, Becky wins after the match? You've got like Nia and Liv. Beating up Becky, here comes Jade for the save, and then Jade, Jade sure. that sets up Jade and Nia, you know, something like that. Yeah, I think I, J- I, yeah, I, I, I think Jade's going to be introduced here pretty quick. What are we about a month out now? Yeah, four weeks. And you, you get the use I, I Nia right now here. while she's still over, and this is the perfect thing to do. You have her give Becky the rub on the way up, and then Nia continues her way down the card. She gives Jade the rub, and that gives Nia. A, a nice WrestleMania match for someone who's had a fantastic little eight month, ten month run. Um, so shout out Nia Jax. They've done really good work with her. WWE booked her like a star. She beat Becky when she should have, and that just that one win over Becky felt like so much for her yeah. and for her character. And they've gotten great use out of it. And now, uh, moving forward, the women. I'm I'm so pumped for the like where the women stack up. Do you think for the with the tag teams? I think we'll probably get like a multi women's match. It seems like. Does yes. do you think Chelsea's yeah. going to get a new partner again right now? Right? Does it feel like oh, we're going to do that? Yeah, she's on fire. Look, she got an in ring promo. She had a. Yeah, I, I hope they start doing that uh, on social media, like the reporters in the locker room asking people questions, and she just like, why are you people I, look? That's another one that I think has a massive baby face turn coming as well because she's so over. But, yeah, there's just a lot of things really, really on fire in the women's division. Women's. Now, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens with these tag team championships. Um, you have Zoe and Shayna. You know, now you have the Kabuki Warriors going on NXT, NXT. I think, next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this that'll be interesting if they're the only two teams, as you said, in this picture. But I think there's something more coming coming there with that match. So we'll see. That could be one of their ways to get a lot of people on the card one of those nights. So they can have a 10-minute match where you got three or four women's tag teams. Maybe uh, something they do. On the men's side now, we had a really good tag match between Judgment Day and New Catch Republic. Pete Dunne and, uh, and Tyler Bate. And this match made me really think that after Mania... They they should go because it's a good time again for the tag teams. I think you I think you want to yeah. have the two separate tag team divisions again, where you can have, you know, just more tag matches with a little more importance on your show to help you fill some time even on uh, on some of those shows, and and then we actually had Damian Priest on Monday Night Raw. He kind of threw his hat into the ring. And so did Dominic as guys that might be going after Gunther for the IC title, both uh, them and Sami Zayn, who got a win over Nakamura, and Gable, who, Gable damn. had an incredible promo, and then on social media, he Oh, my, the video. Yeah, wow. Yeah. All of a sudden, Gable's just got these, like, zingers in his pocket that he's dropped the last couple, like, the last few days. <laughs> Wait, this, this is more than just the little gimmick. Shoosh, please. Here, here's one thing I hope people will at least that listen to this realize about you and me. Last week, I said Sammy would feel like if Sammy beat Gabe, if Sammy beat uh, Gunther, it wouldn't feel weird. Sammy's a legitimate top of the card guy, and then that would be a good win for Sammy. I felt I said if Gable were to win, Gable's been sort of down recently. It wouldn't feel weird. Kind of feel weird. I think in just like a few days, all of a sudden. I got behind Gable again, and I would be fine with him being in that. And and that what that does is at least shows you I'm completely able to be swayed by good content that's in front of me. I can change my mind now, if they present it well, and it does not take long. Look at what I'm talking about. In one week, Chad, I went from saying, eh, nah, Gable wouldn't – I wouldn't feel that way to he cut a promo on Raw. How long was that? One minute? That he that he sure. told talked to Adam Page or to, that was talking to Adam Pierce one minute, and then what was the video online? Two minutes max. Two minutes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So three minutes in a week, Gable was able to change what I thought. Was any of it in ring? Zero. Is all of now, that how, doable for AEW? All, is everything right there something that AEW could have done? Of course it is. That that's of exactly exactly what I'm talking about right now. Because I can watch Chad Gable wrestle Gunther a thousand times, and that match will be good a thousand times. But now, all of a sudden, I care about it the next time it happens again. That's all I want. That's all I want as a fan. Now, are we now are we gonna get a Gunther singles match, or are we gonna get multi people in this match? I want. I personally want a singles match. Okay. I think for Gunther, especially because I don't want Gunther to lose a title without getting pinned or anything like that. Yeah, I think that'd be a bad. Look, if, if you want to take it off of him, let him lose. It's okay. I mean, let him lose and lose. then move up, especially especially yeah. if it's to one of these guys that you're building well, and especially if it's to someone like Sammy, who we thought was going to maybe beat Roman last year in the main event. Sure. He's he's capable of that. Now, I'd prefer. 
I still think one-on-one Sammy Gunther is probably the best match overall. I'd have no problem with the Gunther Gable. I don't. You think we'll have you, a qualifier? I think I think we should next week. And look, why would why would Priest be in there though? He's the tag champ still, right? Yeah, isn't he I, going I, I to think be? Priest was there to throw off, and I, I think too. Dom's going to be in this this me too. qualifying match. Yeah. So maybe we get something with Dom, Gunther, or Dom, Sammy, Gable, and Bronson. Reed, sure. I think he was sort of teased sure. too, and he was the one that was not on this show because congratulations, he had a new child. They had a family, him and yeah. his uh, um, and his wife. So congratulations, Bronson Reed there, and it feels really good on the men's side how much they were able to set up coming out of Elimination Chamber. Drew gets the win. Now we're going to get Drew versus Seth. Cody challenges The Rock in a segment. (laughs) And so now we have no real idea. Rock is going to show up this week on, on Friday Night SmackDown, Chad. It'll probably do a massive, massive number, which SmackDown has been just rolling. And they have a couple options now. We thought they were going to do a tag team match because that's kind of what they teased. The Rock and Roman Reigns versus Seth and Cody. Maybe they just do something where night one, it's Rock versus Cody. And then night two, it's Cody versus Roman. You don't have to have The Rock involved with the title anywhere, which is great. They could even do something where The Rock beats Cody. And then the next night, Cody beats Roman. And then it sets up this really weird dynamic with the bloodline. And then you could have another Cody versus Rock match down the line. You could have Seth in the corner of Cody. Seth does something to screw it up. That gets him and Cody kind of into it a little bit. Seth comes back the next night and saves him. There's a lot of things they could do. The only thing I'm, I'm concerned about, I would not push Seth to wrestle two nights coming off this injury back to back. No, oh no, 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 no. Seth Drew's probably night one. It, now, would you not to go back to that because I, I I do have something about The Rock, Roman, and Cody. Would you put CM Punk in there as a special guest referee, or does Ooh. he need to be in that? Or would, I would he take away from that match? I think you put him on commentary for the match. Okay. I think for the for that match, he's on the on the on the commentary. Yeah. Because I don't know physically if – because if he can't take a bump physically, I don't know if you want him as, like, the referee. No. Right? Like, if he can't even get pushed down or, you know, do some sort of a punch or a move, I think you probably keep him away from the physical. But I would love to see him on commentary during that. Me too. Um, Now. Drew, dude, with Drew on Monday when he did – Oh, yeah. Dude. He sits down. down. He did the sit down in the Indian style, and then Drew did that. Drew did. He said, "You know, after the elimination chamber, the doctors told me I had a shattered eardrum, and that I may not be able to rake WrestleMania." And I said, "What do you think I am, CM Punk? Of course I'm made at WrestleMania." It was, and then, and then later in the night, in the night, he's walking backstage, and he runs into Jay Uso. And Jay had just been cutting a promo about how, man, I was just about to win the IC championship, my singles title. I was going to do it. And you got me, Jimmy. And he's cut. And Drew just says, hey, Jay, everything you just said, you deserved it, man. You des- it, was, it, was, it was so. 
<laughs> so freaking good, man. I now l- oh. let me let me jump back real quick to to Cody Roman Please. Rock. Man, look, the WWE is really really big on history, records, streaks. Of course, we were all thrown off when Brock beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. So anything could happen. You never know. Do you th- now I know your answer because you want to see Cody finish this story. Is there a chance that Roman wins this match at WrestleMania? Oh, there's and, dude, and, there's look, definitely a chance. Absolutely. Because look, they keep bringing this record thing up too, I know. right? I know. And I'm like, man, there may be some, you know, they, I, I, they're playing with some fire. Intriguing. Yeah, they're because they're playing with a little fire if they do that because they've been. They have been so They got lucky. lucky. They got lucky. How yes. over Cody is still right now and that the fans haven't turned. And they've done a good job, but I don't think they could do it again. Now, is it completely out of bounds that they would? No. <laughs> I, I just feel like with Triple H. I mean, Cody, though, if, look, 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 if Cody loses to at Mania to Roman, he can't uh, win that title at uh, WrestleMania Rewind or no, whatever the whatever's next, next. backlash, no. whatever it is. It, it's he, it's it, it that that's a consolation prize. Yeah, you know well, it's so. So it's it's, the, it's it's intriguing. It's intriguing. at the top of the card. Things are just so so interesting. And then it looks like we're gonna go, um, LA Knight, AJ because AJ flies all the way over to Australia. And he almost, he must have fallen off. He's a flat earther, right? So I think he must have fallen off the corner and ordered that. I don't know how that works. But anyways, he's from the land down under. He was there for a little while. Um, he attacks LA Knight. So you know what? Even though LA Knight's not winning these, he still looks strong. He's they're, they're keeping him strong in all of these losses. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do it. But LA Knight, AJ have something going. Randy Orton, Logan Paul have something going. And KO is kind of still in the mix with Logan. I don't know if they will do, you know, LA Knight, AJ one-on-one or Randy versus Logan one-on-one. Maybe we get some sort of combo with a lot of these guys in something, but they all seem like they've got a purpose now coming out of Mania or coming out of uh, Elimination Chamber. Yeah, and, and it's it's something that, again, we talked about it last week. We don't just have to stick them in an Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal to see them, right? Oh, we don't need – they don't need to be in an eight-man tag scramble match type deal, right, uh, on, on the pre-show on Friday Night at SmackDown. So there's a lot of purpose here. There's a lot of things in action. Uh, we're, we're about a month away, and I think for those who do not have anything definite but they're they're on the – the stove, I think we're going to find out here pretty quickly. and It's going to result in some pretty good matches on Raw and SmackDown, too, though. Let's not take we, away from that. We've gone through a lot of uh, what the, the possible and the probables are. There are a lot of really yeah. nice things set up. Um, we're just about to finish up, but I quickly want to just move over to NXT for a second and talk about what they have uh, on tap for next week. It's NXT Roadblock. Um, we are continuing to build to a uh, uh, a feud inevitably that's going to be Carmelo and Trick. But right now, they've kind of thrown a little bit of a wrench into it. It was supposed to be Carmelo versus Dragunov, but they inserted Tony D into the mix now. Tony D! Tony <laughs> D'Angelo now. 
it was great because uh, Carmelo had some of these security guys out there with him. And then Tony D snapped his fingers and the, the security guys were all paid off and they walked away. The oh, it, was, <laughs> it was so great. It was this great moment. And um, why do you think they uh, look? There's always a reason behind it. Why do you think they did that? Put Tony D in there. I think it's probably because they can have a, a Carmelo trick feud without the title. What, um, and that's what that's where I was going with this. Yeah. Yeah. And they can keep dragging off with the title. Maybe even Tony beats him. They could sure. even have Tony win because the yeah. dragon off could be coming up soon. And then, you know, trick and mellow their feud. They, that can be, you know, a big part of NXT and whatever they want to do with mellow. Who's already kind of started to come up uh, on the main roster and done some stuff on SmackDown. Uh, we also saw Sean Spears show up with the name Sean Spears. I think this is a great spot and a great role for him because he gets to be a veteran who always had some cachet in NXT on the main roster, probably gets lost in the shuffle. On NXT, he feels like a guy you could have at the top of the card, and beating him feels like it should be important on the NXT roster. I think it's a really good use for him, and I'm sure he wants to be there if he came back there. He probably has really good memories of a place where he was for a long time and did some really good work. And um, I'm I'm it's kind of interesting to see him as Sean Spears and not the perfect 10, Ty Dillinger yeah. coming back with the, yeah. the real yeah. name. Yeah. And, and I like that. that. That's smart with WWE. And I understand why there was a lot of character changes back in the day, because, you know, WWE is copy. We have copyrights and trademarks. I completely understand that. I, I was completely thrown off. You and I were, we'd done been down so many rabbit holes who we thought this person was um, from Bo Dallas to Okada to, you know, you name it. Um, th- this was very refreshing, uh, very good to see. It got it generated a lot of buzz. Um, I-, I think it's really, really good. He's always been a guy. Again, he's been snake bit a few times, but you talk about somebody that was not utilized in AEW. This was a massive signing for them when when he when he left WWE NXT. Yeah. This this was a big big signing for them. There was an injury or two. There were some issues going on. Um, you know, again, you get a star like that's left the company to go to greener grass like Andrade, Sean Spears, and they come back. Um, I, you know, his wife is 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 tweeting. You know, you know this his heart is his home. This is where he belongs. That shows you right there that it's going to be very a, a, a very successful run to come back. And it was good for him to come back to Sean Spears and not, and not Ty Dillinger. I think a lot more people recognize Sean Spears, even though Ty Dillinger was the WWE name. If you want to keep the perfect 10, fine. Sean Spears, A+. Plus. Yeah, and when you're just thinking about NXT, even versus AEW, you know what? AEW... A lot of times had more people watching than NXT did. That was, you know, the way they were promoted. There was a lot of people watching him. This is something people know. We know who he is, too. Sure. Right? It's sure. like we we sure. know now, and uh, they'll do they'll continue to do a good job of reintroducing him. We so I I think we're gonna get Carmelo losing to Tony because I feel like Trick will interrupt, cost Carmelo the match. Then Tony will go on and face Dragonoff. We'll get uh, Carmelo versus Trick. We have D, uh, Dijak versus Gacy in an asylum match. 
freaking love these dude guys, guy yeah. gacy out there in a, in, in a you know straight jacket the, the straight jacket and people are going crazy they're love losing their guy. minds love this yeah dude, man um we uh we've got the kabuki warriors versus lyra and tatum so i think it's gonna I, be good i think this is good i think there's gonna show a crack on the other side yeah so one we could see i could see this one of two ways i could totally see someone like bailey showing up and costing the Kabuki yep. Warriors, right? That could happen. We could also, I could also, or, see Shane, or Shayna, Shayna and Zoe made a comment on social media that it was announced. They're like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. They could get involved somehow. What or about you? May Roxanne have Tatum turn. What about Roxanne? Roxanne? You could have ta- you have Roxanne. You could have Tatum turn. There's a lot. That's an intriguing match for next Tuesday. Me Very too. My intriguing. my guess. I'm predicting Roxanne gets involved. Cost those two. Maybe we even get like a, a AAWN where there's a oh, schmoz. Right? Like, we get like all of them show up. But I think Roxanne gets in the mix because what I'm expecting, I think we get a triple threat between Lyra, Tatum, and Roxanne for the world title, yeah. those three. Yeah. And I think that. Tatum wins. Ooh, I like that. Right? The three of them in a triple like threat. That. And Tatum could win, you know, that match and not even have to pin. Um, you know, Tatum now, could like you, sneak in have, and get a- Do you have any idea who this see you soon that was written in the sand no. on the beach? Is, oh, is it a Sol I have Ruka? no clue who that is. Who? Sol Ruka? Yeah, it could be. It could that would be. be awesome. She was amazing. She was incredible. Yeah, it could Love be. Love to see her come back. And then. Because I, I think Nikita Lyons is just out <laughs> forever. Yeah, she just she got hurt, hurt again. Man. I know. She, un- again, unfortunately, she's got yeah. such a unique. Like energy and vibe and look to her. She's good looking. Yeah, Presence yeah. is the word. Exactly. Because she's yeah, good looking, but sure. she's not like everyone else. Her promos are different, but she comes off genuine, right? Kind yes. of real and very likable. She has a very relatable and likable character. Another good word, relatable, seen, you know? right? You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, and then we got the dogs. We got two of our faves here. We got the Braun Breaker and Corbin. Versus Chase and Duke Hudson from Chase U. So um, with Braun moving it. up, it's a strong. Hey, next Tuesday is very strong, dude. And and really they're strong. even doing some good stuff with uh, JC and Tia. They're teasing that. Yes. That'll probably be a stand and deliver Mania match, I bet. And sure, that'll probably sure. get us back to Tia as more of the fired up baby face like she was. Remember, she almost beat Tiffany Stratton for the title she not did. long yeah, ago. You're right. And she's kind of gotten you're right. Shuffle down the card a little bit. There's a look at NXT for next week. Hope all of you have a fantastic weekend. Thanks so much for hanging out with Chad and me again here on This Week in Wrestling. We're going to follow Chad at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Koopa Loop, look forward to uh, talking to you next week. We'll see if Sting wins or loses on his way out. Thanks so much, buddy. Hope you have a great weekend. Have a good weekend, Gino. Folks. We'll be back next week with more This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. A big thank you to Barry Spears for helping us out with a big Saturday Gulfstream Park card. Matt DeSantis talking some aqueduct and that all-stakes pick four for Saturday. Don't forget, Sunday is the rescheduled card for Santa Anita from Saturday. So Angela Herman will be joining me. You'll want to tune in to Twitter. It's me, Gino B. You can catch that. Saturday or you know Friday afternoon we'll have that recorded for Sunday with a look at races six through ten 
for Santa Anita. I'll also be recording a coast-to-coast pick five preview that will be up on uh, social media. So make sure you're following Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Chad Cooper helped us out again, as he does each and every week with this week in wrestling. Thanks so much, everyone, for hanging out. Hope you all have a fantastic weekend coming up. Good luck in all your plays, and we'll be back again next week with more That's What G Said podcast.